Man, folks, I don't even know if I have the breath capacity to get out the entire bumper for this episode of the Uticast, episode 116, the Downtown Get Down Special. We have three, three interviews this week. Our GFOPs, Tim Schramm and Jack Flans, return for their two-timers club trophies, and we're also featuring the headlining artist from the Downtown Get Down, all the way from Brooklyn, the man Gibbs. All that and more, folks, on this week's episode, the Downtown Get Down Special. will be better than the last time, I promise. You guys don't know this, but this is the second time we've started this segment. Second time we've started the opening... Two times. Two times. Two times. The second time we've started this opening segment of a very special episode of the Uticast, episode 116, the Get Down Special. Wait, I thought we were done with special episodes until like 150 or 200 or something. Sometimes, Sometimes we get mandated from on high on things that need to be done. Even here at the Maiden Utica... Headquarters, Uticat headquarters. Things need to be done for the greater good of the company. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually really, uh, really excited for this week's episode. We're doing something much different than we've ever done in the show. Ten uh, over the the many episodes, 116 episodes of this show, we've tended to feature long form interviews with single people or small groups of people. But today, we're switching it up. We have three, count them, three 20 minute ish interviews. Uh, with uh, two returning guests and one very special guest. Uh, we have returning guest Tim Schramm is back this week. Uh, we have Jack Flans of the Jack and Mo Cooking Show coming back, both of them getting their two-timers club trophies this week. It's a double dip for two-timers club. And, uh, and our big surprise, deep from the heart of Brooklyn via Skype, one of the first times I've ever had to do a real full-length Skype interview on this show, the headliner of the downtown get-down, Gibbs, which was really fun, actually. I finally listened to him. He's awesome. He's really, he's really, really awesome. impressive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yep. he does a crazy. That's gonna be a wild show in the Mill Creek parking lot that night. Yeah, I hope that it, people, if, I hope people understand. No, I don't think they do. How wild it's <laughs> gonna be? No, I don't think they, after I heard him, I was like, I can't wait to go out. Well, it's gonna get. I, I, I'm concerned that it'll get lost in the overall get to, uh, downtown get down promotion as well because I mean that could be an event in and of itself. I know hmm. it's gonna be that special. Yep. I mean, putting the band show out in the Mill Creek parking lot, having you know the dance party free to get in, which is a huge important thing as. With most yeah. of the maiden you things we do, it's free to get in. We mm. try like hell to make everything free. You know, and that's a and that's a big thing that uh, I don't think gets enough credit sometimes is how much like uh, Justin and Katie and everyone here at Maiden Utica really want this to be free, right? Like it's always been a big proponent of a lot of the stuff. We Our do. goal has never been to make money. I mean, you make money is is nice, and you need money to have the things go on, so you're not just pouring it all out of pocket. But like this isn't a for profit endeavor generally. Uh, during the interview with Jack, actually, that's coming up, uh, we talked a little bit, actually, about Utica Day, um, and mm-hmm. he actually told us a little bit about all the connections that he made at Utica Day, and yeah, how man. happy he was because of it, and I sort of told him, I was like, yeah, that's kind of the point, it's not, this is never just, like, a big group hug, like, hey, look at the thing we did, it's mm-hmm. not really what this is about, even though I'm sure that some people will shoot that and project that 
uh, opinion at us, but they're jerks. Let them. Let them. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of this has always been, you know, this doesn't work without all the community that's been involved, all the people, all the all the uh, companies and local businesses that have joined up and been part of this. And it's uh, it's always awesome whenever we get to do these kind of events. Very, very excited for this. Very excited. Uh, so, yeah. So, we have three guests this week for Downtown Get Down. Um, Does that mean less from us? Yes, it does mean less well, from I us. I guess in that case, go ahead. We don't talk as much. I know. I, I just personally, I want to apologize to all the people who oh, specifically tune in for me. Uh, all the people who come up to me in the streets <laughs> telling me that I'm their guy. Uh, specifically, Ken and Amy Smith. <laughs> Sorry, you know they're just they're trying to they're trying to shackle me out here. Uh, <laughs> I'm start my own podcast yeah. just for you guys. Yeah, we've talked they about. Would, they it. would listen to it constantly. The Kevin Cast. Um, Heather's also told me mm-hmm. when Sam's not in the room that I need my own show. Also, I she says true. I need a second show. No, where's the clamor for the famo cast? I've been waiting for people to get excited for my solo show for years, and nobody cares. No one cares. It's called the first segment. It's called the yeah. My, it's called my whole ego. I know. The just, first segment. So uh, let's. There are a few things I want to talk about today. Uh, let's let's talk about it right off the bat. Um, obviously, we talked about Hurricane Harvey a lot last few weeks. Uh, we're probably going to talk about Hurricane Irma again next week. For now, I just want to say, you know, obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to all the people affected in Florida and in the South right now by Hurricane Irma. Really scary stuff when you're looking at all the news. Um, you know, we, you know, Kev, we talked about our friend Pat, uh, our very, very good friend Pat lives in Miami. Uh, he With was his sending. His wife and his one year old. Yeah, his wife and his one year old. Yeah, down on like, they live in like the West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah, close to the water. They evacuated. They evacuated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They went to Atlanta and then uh, Irma went to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's, but, like, they've got, they're up in the air. He doesn't know if his boat's going to be at his house. He yeah. doesn't know if his house is going to be flooded when he gets yeah. there. He doesn't know, you know, a lot of a lot of uncertainties and a lot of questions. That's the scary part is, you know, a lot of the real damage about, uh, about Irma and what's really going to, you know, is what's going to come in the aftermath. We really don't totally know right now how bad everything is, at least as of right now when we're recording on Monday, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not, the worst is not yet over. So, uh, you know, again, hope that everyone is safe and dry. Let's hope that Jose doesn't that come just, next. Yeah, that's what it was headed out uh, into the middle of the ocean, and then it just, it literally, if you watch the satellite projections, it did like, a full turn. Kidding. And it's <laughs> headed, and now they're doing projections, and when you're projecting this far out, it's basically a crapshoot, you're yeah. guessing. But right now, like all the, the forecasts coming out of the European weather centers are saying that it's likely to come up and intensify to like a category four and hit New England and New York. Hmm. Which, you know, yay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. real quick, if anyone got a chance to see like the pictures of the Bahamas and the water just disappeared, oh oh, that yeah. was pretty, that's like a once in a lifetime thing, though. They don't probably never <sighs> see that again. Pretty awesome. Man, I'm glad that climate change isn't real and it's not affecting our weather patterns. I was going to say, yeah, thanks, I mean, to, thanks to the joys of climate change, I think you'll be able to see that a little more often than once in a lifetime. <laughs> um, so, guys, let's. Uh, before I want to do some stuff with you guys today, so uh, since Gross. it is <laughs> since it is the downtown get down weekend, I wanted to uh, just do a quick run through all the events we have planned on Saturday for our listeners out there to give people uh, a better idea of what's actually involved. Plus, I want Heather to get some of the credit for some of the stuff she's been involved in here that maybe she doesn't get enough credit for. So That's Heather Heather does a lot of a lot of other work here besides just show up and be uh, entertaining and charming. So I mean, I do. She's I looking I know. <laughs> You're telling me, like, I don't know what you're looking at me for. I know. I know. There's only two does. people in this room. I gotta look at one of you or the other. It's not like me. Look at Heather. All right, so from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Oneida County Public Market, uh, we will be having UFIT. Uh, you can learn more about Utica CrossFit for free in this low pressure special version uh, of their boot camp and chat about fitness and nutrition. So, uh, you know, I've been 
trying to think about CrossFit, you know? Not trying to do it, just I'm thinking about I thinking about think it. About it. Um, I, uh, I think it's because I watch a lot of wrestling, right? I feel like um, it'd be nice to be kind of jacked, but uh, I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I was that strong. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what to do when I, if I was like in that good of shape, I feel like. I just lift things for people, I suppose. Lift things up, put them down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, so yeah, CrossFit for anyone, and this is nice because a lot of well, times that's with at the farmers market, right? huh? that's at the farmers market. Uh, this is at the United County Public Market, yeah, yes, okay. farmers market. Yeah. Um, and what's nice about stuff like this for people who who've been interested in CrossFit but don't necessarily are a little nervous to come out and ask, this is a really good way to get like a foot in the door for something you may be interested in. So, mm-hmm. uh, eleven a.m. to one p.m. Chris United will be at the United County Public Market playing live music as well. So that'll be right afterwards. Uh, Nine a.m. This will be at the uh, the Bite Bakery Cafe. We have Yoga in the Square, which seems to be one of the more popular things that everyone does. Maybe I'm going to go to yoga this week. I keep saying Maybe I'm going to go. Go get out there. I tried it for the first get time this winter, and I loved it. Did you like it? I loved it. I just haven't gone back. Yeah. <laughs> I need time. But it was great. It's great. If you're interested in yoga, uh, no registration is required. All you need is a mat. All age levels and abilities welcome. It's a pretty... Uh, uh, you know, it's not too intensive of a course. I'm not going to. Sarah, the instructor, is amazing. Yeah, she's, she's super great. awesome. Uh, and then from 12 to 4 p.m., you can come explore business, art, and music during our Alley Shop and Music Showcase. Uh, Heather, this is where you step in. You were you were involved in a lot of getting these these pop ups. I want to call. Is it really the right word to call yeah, them? Yeah, like I mean, pop-ups? basically, we're trying to instead of it being just tables set up with stuff on them, we're trying to give everybody a little bit of an experience of each store. So we've worked with each vendor and said hey, you can kind of make this your own thing. So it's like you're walking into a little shop with each place. Like the food setup's going to have table and chairs outside of, and, you know, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> cool, though, there's a lot of talented people that will be there. Adirondack Inc. will be there, and she's actually personalizing pumpkins and calligraphy for people. Oh, that's amazing. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Oh, that's great. So, and Christine Cookies is giving warm, um, warm, she's giving I Love Utica Cookies. She's selling mm-hmm. and like warm chocolate chip cookies. I just saw her new storefront downtown when I was awesome. driving like Did yesterday. Did you go inside? I didn't. I it's was driving awesome. by and I just happened to glance because like, oh, it looks like somebody cleaned off that building and I saw the logo. I'm like, yeah. oh, no way. Yeah, she's great. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of cool people talented. Maria's awesome. going to be there who did the Utica coloring book. And mm-hmm. I can run through some of them. we got a huge list. Yeah. Topping Tree, Adirondack Inc., oh. Signature 81, The Law Studio, uh, E-Cross Central Oil Diffusers, Richard David, uh, Retro Sereno, uh, Anomaly, uh, B&B Designs for your kids, hands-on mural painting. Uh, Mad Props has the photo booth. we got a dunk tank. I don't know. Parkinson. Is he really? Parkinson's going in the dump tank. I heard you were going in. No, no, no. no. Is that a rumor? That's no. Parkinson is going in the dump tank. Serious about that. Listen, if we want to raise some money, we just put Parkinson in this dunk tank all day because I'm I'm ready to withdraw all of my money. His own friends will be there. I'm a beloved figure. People are not going to want to see me dunked in the water, cold against my will. Parkinson is an arch villain. This is going to be. This is. This is prime territory for all the people who want revenge. Dunk Parkinson. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, we also have Sculpture Space Inc. is coming in. We have live painting, uh, Bite Bakery, Utica Bread, Christine's Cookies, So Sweet Candy Cafe, Woodland Farm Brewery. Um, also, on top of all of this, at the same time, P2 Shows will be putting on a local music showcase. Uh, I won't go too deep into that because our good friend Tim Schramm is coming in a little bit to talk about the same thing. Um, also... It's also the final episode of the Franklin Square film series, Guardians of the Galaxy, for free that night in Franklin Square Alleyway. So anything you want to do, it's loaded up. I haven't even gotten halfway through this. We haven't even gotten to the brewery district yet. Um, do you guys want to say something else? Because I'm sick of hearing my voice for a second. I, I, I don't know. What should I say? 
<laughs> you're going over the schedule. I don't know. It's tough for me to go through the schedule, but it's exciting. There's a well, lot of stuff on because here. Because Justin Franklin Square, from 9 to 4, there's music, shopping, mm. yoga, like all sorts of great things going on. So Parkinson and Katie and the Maiden Utica crew have overwhelmed me with the amount of stuff they provide. No, it is, it's so much, especially the after party. Speaking of the after party, that's where we're stopping right now. Brewery District, uh, the festival finale is closing down at the parking lot next to the uh, Nail Creek Pub and Brewery for the Get Down Dance Party, featuring our guest tonight, Gibbs, uh, as well uh, as Thomas D. and Funkadelic Conception. Uh, This is going from 8.45 till 2 a.m. It's going to be quite a party. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be free to get into the lot out there. They're going to be serving food. They've got a special menu where you have to be out there if you want to eat. They're going to be pouring beers, uh, getting the band shell out there. It's going to be crazy. (laughs) It's going to just literally throw in a concert in that parking lot between the laundry and Mill Creek. Awesome. All right, so that's all the things that I can uh, rattle off without losing my breath. And now I can actually Mm -hmm. think about it for a second. Um, It really is... I'm, I'm, I'm almost more excited to just go to all the different places and see people interacting with stuff. Like, it's going to be so yeah. exciting just to just to see the way it brings people together and it brings people out. I'm really, really hoping the weather is great. That's my biggest hope, That's my number one. Um, but yeah, I really I really can't wait. We've been, we've been building up a long time for this now, and mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. <sighs> all right. You guys want to talk about one more thing before we go into our interview section? What is it? Well, it's the number one movie in America. It's breaking box office records. We've sort of been hinting at it. It's uh, me and Kevin finally went to the movies last night to go see Stephen King's It. Um, Kev, do you want to give me your first impressions right off the bat before I hit into some details? Uh, sure. I don't know what your details are, so I hope I don't step on your toes. Um, it by Stephen King is probably my favorite book. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not the best book I've ever read or the most like literally honored book, it's my favorite book. Yeah. Um, it was also nice because I bought a really nice hardcover copy yesterday because I figured now with all the hype, it's Love a good that. time to get a good copy because sure, I've probably looking. burned through six or seven over the years. Um, I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. They When when you have a book that's you know, 12, 1,300 pages like that, it's really tough to get it all into a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, I thought they did the right thing by focusing on just the kids and not the part 27 years later when they're adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see the second movie, and I think everybody should go see it. It wasn't that scary, and it was funnier than that's I expected it to said. be. But that's okay. Um, I really, though, with all that said, I really wish they had made it like a 10-part series, like a yeah. Stranger Things or an anthology series, and like really dig into all the lore and mythology and all the different characters and not the streamlined version. Um, but it was great, and it was nice to have something on the visual medium besides that crap 1990 miniseries. Yeah. That was true. not very good. Outside of Tim Curry, it was just not there at all. It's... I was talking about this today. Like, it's a memorable, it's a memorable presentation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that version of the movie holds up today because it's just hard. It, it just doesn't look very convincing today. It's it, this movie did need an update, I think, to yes. a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Heather, you've not seen the movie yet, no. but you did watch the older movie. Yeah. Did you read the book? No. So your only experience is the movie. <laughs> your only experience is the movie. Yeah. What did you like the movie growing up? Or I was you... little, so when I was little, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. So that's all I can remember. But I liked it. So when people, I like really scary movies. Yeah, so that yeah, movie me too. scared me. So when people were telling me, "Well, it was kind of funny, like a Goonies kind of thing," and I'm like, mm. "I mean, it doesn't really get me excited to want to see because I want to see." You want to see it? I want to see the horror movie. There's there's stuff in there that because this part is so focused on the kids, and kids are by nature funny. Yeah. 
Um, there's stuff that's just going to be funny, but it's still plenty creepy okay. and dark. It's just not like pure abject terror. But that being said, the book wasn't fully all the time either. Yeah. I still yeah. count it as one of the scarier books I've ever read, but it's not... There's a lot of other stuff mm. besides just the horror, and they did a good job of including that stuff as well. A lot of the scariest things that uh, about the book aren't really aren't really the parts with, quote-unquote, the clown, right? Some of the scariest parts of the book are, like, the things that the kids deal with in their lives, like the bullies and the parents and the and the shitty circumstances they come up with. That's where the real horror is. This book, the book in general in the story is less about kids versus an evil clown and sort of more about the transition from, like, childhood into adulthood and, like, this... And what you have to give up to get there. It's just, it. it's just presented as a, as a clown sometimes. Got it. But not always. Uh, so I have a couple things I want to talk about here. It's been a long time since I've gone out into the theater to see a movie, particularly on opening weekend. If I had to grade the crowd that we were in, I would give them a, a D. I think they were a D crowd. It was it was a really poor movie going experience. Uh, Kevin. I think you probably had the worst of it. I think that you have a lot of nerve uh, for you to have had any issue with the crowd <laughs> because you weren't me. So um, so we're in there and we're sitting. We got there kind of early. We got pretty decent seats in the middle of the theater. Oh, and man. there's a couple down the row from me and there's two seats in between us. And the whole time, every time somebody comes in, I'm sitting there and I'm looking. And I just, I don't want anybody to come sit next to me. I like the space. You know what I mean? I don't want to share their armrest, all that stuff. During like the last preview this, uh, I see this man and this woman come in, and so I stand up to let them in. They're coming to our row. I'm like, all right, this is happening. And um, the guy says, you know, excuse me, and they're, I'm, I'm not sure where they're from, but they're an Asian couple, right? And they're, you know, still heavily accented, speaking the language, you know what I mean? So pretty new to the country, so different customs, different things like that. Well, apparently, one of the customs, this lady sits down next to me, and she pulls out this plastic shopping bag. <laughs> like, okay, fair enough. She brought her own snacks. You know, everybody does it. It's okay. It's no problem. And I'm sort of looking over. I'm just kind of looking to see if she's going to push, making a lot of noise with this plastic bag. And, like, now the movie's starting. And it's, like, the iconic opening, the, the sewer scene where little Georgie Dembro gets, you know, gets taken in the sewer by Pennywise. And I'm really trying to pay attention. I care so much. Like, this, I love this book. I've been waiting for this movie for, you know, years and years. So he pulls out a cup looks like a styrofoam cup with a lid. I'm like, okay, maybe she's got a beverage or something like that. That's a weird thing to put in a bag, but, you know, blow right by it. And I'm, I'm just looking at the screen. I'm watching. Next thing you know, I hear this rattling noise and this slurping. And I look over and I realize that this woman has got a large cup of soup. Like dumpling soup or noodle soup or something. And she's eating it and slurping. So like, with like every single bite. And she's sitting there and she's going hammer on this cup of soup. Like just absolutely... Just diving in and crinkling up the bag, and it's the loudest thing in the world. And I'm like, is, am I being, am I being punked? Like, is this even real? And then she continued. I mean, she produced some plums at one point that she yes. was loudly pulling out all sorts of stuff out of this bag of tricks that sat in her lap that she was eating out of almost oh, the whole movie man. right next to me. And I just keep sort of looking over, and she's just oblivious to the fact this is the loudest soup. It sounded like there was ice in it. I've never heard something so loud. Now, now this. So uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it was all right. This this curvier scenario, a curvier enthusiasm style scenario, uh, was it was outrageous. But outside of this as well, this was still also a really like this crowd was loud, was genuinely almost having conversations and laughing. And uh, there were a couple people. There were some people in there. I feel like that is 
been going on, the, like movie theaters are getting worse. No, if like you, etiquette's getting really bad. Etiquette's bad. It depends. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it depends what you go see. When you go see, uh, it's always a problem for a horror movie. Yeah. It's always a problem for a very popular movie towards the beginning of its run. Because, I mean, it was like an 850 showing, so there's a lot of like teenagers mm. out there, which, you know, yes, indeed. Like, spoiler alert, are the worst. Yep. And like, so you've got a lot of people in that specific showing, you know what I mean, that mm. were just. A lot of loud and talkative, and I also found people laughing at stuff that wasn't, wasn't like, a laughing point. Yeah. Which, like, sort of takes you out of the movie, because it's like, yes, I understand it's a clown, and, like, it's funny the way that it's dancing, but don't you see the teeth and those eyes rolling over silver? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the kid with no arm. Yeah, it's not that funny. That's why you don't go. I wish to wait, because... Yeah, but some movies, it's better to go see in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I love the theater experience. This one, I couldn't hold off. I rarely go to the theater. When I do, I almost never... The last time I went on opening weekend, I think, was... Maybe Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Before that, I definitely saw the Dark Knight opening weekend, but like that was 2008. The ultimate opening weekend movie I ever went to see is we went to see Fast and the Furious 5 when that came out. And that's the that's the type of movie you want to see opening weekend. People are going nuts with car crashes and screaming and yelling at Vin Diesel. Well, and that's okay, too. That's like, okay. You can be laughing and yeah. making jokes and talking in Fast 5. That's not that serious. That's the point. Like, it, yeah. like, I need some atmosphere. I need some tone. Yeah. <laughs> It would do with another watching in a more uh, intimate environment. I would I'd very well may go back. Like when it's towards back. the end of yeah. his run and I can go see it in like a quiet, empty theater, I'd like to go back and probably see it again. Um, I think, and I think, Kev, for you and me, here's the other thing too. Without going into spoilers, when you know the story mm-hmm. and you've read the book and you know the parts and you've seen the movie, you have an expectation because you know what's coming. Unless the story is going to change in some radical way that's going to piss you off anyway... You have an idea who's going to survive, who's making it to the end of the story. So the there wasn't this feeling of, like, I didn't have any dread for anybody. Because I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Especially with this being a part one, too. And yeah. And they're going to come back and yeah. these kids are going to be adults and stuff like that. I think, I do think that the second one has the potential when they do make it. If they do make it, I think they will. It like, broken mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, to be much there, scarier. It's already optioned. It's coming yeah. out in uh, 19, I think, summer 19. Hmm. Uh, Stephen King's kind of on the up and up right now. He's got... He He's got it. He's got Gerald's game. They're making that. You said that Castle Rock show. That Castle Rock series oh, on Hulu, it. which is like his whole t- Castle Rock is a fake main town that Stephen King made up, and he yeah. sent a lot of his novels in it. Specifically, comes to mind like um, Cujo and Needful Things, and mm-hmm. maybe Misery and a couple others. Yeah. So it's like this fictional main town. So that show Castle Rock is like his whole universe, and they've only done a trailer, and they don't really have a ton of details for what they're doing. But they're going to tie in a bunch of his books and stories into some sort of series. I don't know how they're going to do it yet, but they certainly have my attention. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's interesting, um, because I was talking to one of my kids about this today. And this is sort of an offshoot, but I'm going to get into something. Did we have young adult fiction when we were kids? Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I was reading Stephen King books at a you very young age. You and I were age. very different than a lot of general young readers. Really? You and me, yeah, you and me have always been ahead of the curve. I read it, I read it when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Like, think about the subject material and the themes. I was 11, it was 1,200 pages. I read it, and it's, yeah. you know what I mean? So, it's true. It was different, though, because I remember, like, young adult books being popular for people who didn't read quite as much as I did. And I remember liking a lot of young adult books. Like, I used to devour Fear Street books in grade school. I'm glad you brought that up. I think they're making a series out of that, I heard. Did you read Goosebumps as well? Yes. There's a a quote that goes around that apparently, like, uh, either R.L. Stein was talking to Stephen King or the other way around, and he, like, thanked him for preparing a generation of readers to read Stephen King books. Because it seems like the logical progression was Goosebumps books, 
maybe the Fear Street books, which I didn't read. I feel like I jumped right into Stephen King because I don't remember mm-hmm. many of the Fear Street books. Fear Street books were great. They were those. That's when I sort of fell off Goosebumps when I was young, is because Fear Street was a lot more. Although there were some supernatural elements. There was a lot of uh, murderers, like a lot of murder and like actual mm. real people killing. So it wasn't always like ghosts or, you know, the mummy downstairs or whatever Goosebumps book might be. There was a good Fear Street book about becoming a vampire. It was one of the first ones. And I did read that one a lot. It was pretty you good. You remember them. Yeah. I love books. I, re- I read like all R.L. Stan. I don't remember any of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I think you should go see it. Uh, those puns are both intended. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about it, Stephen King books, before we get into the interview section? I have to go watch it. You should go watch it. You really should. Um, maybe you'll be scared. I don't know. I can't wait till they make a really dark and horrifying Pet Cemetery movie. Oh, that would be great. The guy who was the director for this said he wants to do Pet Cemetery. They're also making a movie based on the short story The Jaunt, which I don't know how you turn into a full feature, but it's one of the best short stories he's done, so we'll see. Um, I hope a different director does Pet Cemetery. I liked it. I think the director was fine. I hope somebody else does it. After we get off this podcast, you and I can get into a discussion about the director because I have some thoughts. That's fair. I have some thoughts about it. I so. would have liked to have seen what, because originally Kerry Fukunaga was supposed to be the one who did it, and then he yeah. left over creative differences, but I heard he wanted to change so much that it was like literally unrecognizable, but he's a really good director, so it might have been interesting to see what he had done. We can have the debate about what movie this would be if it was Kerry Fukunaga and Tilda Swinson instead of Bill Skarsgård and Andy Mastowitz, whatever his name is, uh, but again... We'll talk about that off the air. Let's get in. That's just for you and me. <laughs> That's for you and me. <laughs> That's fair. Let's get into this week's interviews. Uh, plural. This, plural. Yeah, so many. Uh, but let's start uh, with the man who will be headlining uh, this year's Downtown Get Down. Uh, I've never done a Skype interview before, and I was a little concerned about how it would be in terms of having uh, a debate, because a lot of the show is like visceral, about being around each other, right? Um, so uh, it was a little weird to do it over uh, over the air. But uh, Gibbs was really charming and really fascinating, and he was a great guy to talk to. So let's get into this week's interview. The man, the headliner, all the way from Brooklyn, Gibbs. And we are back, and uh, we have a very, a very special treat for all of our listeners out there. We have the headlining act for this weekend's downtown get down. The man himself, all the way from Brooklyn, it's Gibbs. What's going on, man? Utica. <laughs> I appreciate the Utica shout out. Uh, I have to get one thing out right out of the way. Uh, it's very important for me as a man who lived in Brooklyn for a long time to let you know that I also lived in Brooklyn and I'm feeling you, just so you know. <laughs> very important, uh, the Brooklyn love. The city of Brooklyn love, they call it. <laughs> um, so I have to were you are you originally from Brooklyn or are you a transplant? I grew up in Long Island. Oh, Long Island, very nice, very nice. Um, so I have to say... Uh, 
I want to get into some of the music stuff, uh, but your backstory is actually quite fascinating. I was looking up a little bit of your info. You were talking a little bit. You started off in acting and ballroom dancing initially? Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I, I did a lot of dancing. I, I studied dancing because I, I had this um, goal to do acting when I was older, and, and whether or not that was theater acting or film acting, I wanted to be prepared for both. Uh, it wasn't until later on that I got more involved in the music part of it and eventually went to college for music. Uh, you went to Berkeley, that's correct, right? I did. I went to Berkeley in Boston for uh, engineering, the, uh, the the backing, the back side of it. <laughs> the back side of it. Now, uh, I've always heard an interesting thing. I had some friends who've gone to Berkeley. It's, it's, it's A lot of people I know actually don't tend to finish out. They tend to leave halfway through to pursue other things a lot of times did you make it all the way through or were you, were you sort of a i gotten this and i'm leaving uh i i i feel that it's only the fool's finish and <laughs> i i finish so. now hello, i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no i'm sorry did i you, said hello debt <laughs> did you uh overall though did you feel like it was a benefit doing uh doing the berkeley thing I learned a whole lot. I mean, it was a, it was a great school. It, it was definitely really hands-on, and I, I got to know a lot of gear that I wouldn't have learned uh, had I not gone there. Um, but getting into the real world afterwards is where I think I really earned my education on, a, on the road. Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought up the engineering thing. I was, uh, I was actually watching a video on YouTube. I was watching, uh, I don't know how old it was, but it was you performing uh, Stay for a While, which was excellent. Um, and I love the setup that you have out there. It's really excellent. Um, I always get jealous as a former musician looking at people's setups. Uh, I would imagine, though, that this engineering style uh, background to it really helps when you're doing the sort of loops and layering style, correct? Yeah, it makes it makes the the engineering portion of what I do uh, much more. It's muscle memory because mm -hmm. I've done it for so long. So I can focus more on creative because I, I mix and I master all of my music. Mm -hmm. And I try to have my live show sound as good as it would be on a record. So it's having that background really helps with it. Mm. Well, what, if you had to pick an instrument, what do you consider yourself? Guitar player, keyboardist? Like if you had to pick one. Lately, I think I'm a bass player. Oh, good for you, man. <laughs> I like to hear that. It warms my heart. It's, yeah. But I think most people would call me a guitarist. Guitarist. Cool. Um, so... I'm kind of curious, uh, as I was watching the video, you're very adept at doing uh, the looping and the layering with all the various instruments. But then uh, I did watch another video from you at the Knitting Factory with a little bit more of a live band type thing. Um, do you prefer to go back and forth? Do you have a preference when playing? Well, the cool thing with having the band is that uh, it's less that I have to do. Uh, <laughs> yes. I can uh, loop some stuff and then rely on uh, human beings and human interaction, which is you know, rare for me on stage. It's always just me. So definitely at, at this show in Utica, having the band is going to be a really cool thing. And we don't get to play that often. So it's a really cool thing. Yeah, that was, you know, for I played in band for years, and it is nice to have somebody else out there, especially uh, I always think of when it's solo, it comes a little like stand-up comedy. It's like if I make one thing, it's just me up here. I got I to gotta be by myself. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you mess up by yourself, you are falling alone. I I heard a lot of really uh, interesting influences when I listen to you, and I hate to play this game, especially with musicians, because a lot of times if I shoot an influence at you, you're going to be like, I hate that musician. 
what the hell? Uh, but, <laughs> but I do hear a lot of, um, I'm going to say LCD sound system because I do hear that sort of vibe as well. Uh, and you actually almost have an R&B sort of Frank Ocean style to you in a way, I noticed, in some of your stuff. Um, and uh, this is the one that's a little tricky. Almost when you have a really nice, nuanced, almost Death Cab style to your voice, but before Death Cab kind of fell off the planet. I, I'm Shout out to Ben Gibbard. Um, <laughs> so I guess what my question is, is like, wh- where were your early influences when you were deciding to get into music? Uh, I think my, my earliest influences between... Um bridging when I was like doing theater stuff and, and that kind of, uh, listening to when I went into more being more focused on music. I think my, my bridge between the two is probably queen. And, uh, I did a lot of listening to Prince and Elvis Costello and Paul McCartney with wings post Beatles. Good for you. No one talks about wings, man. Let them in. No one gives wings credit, but wings is great. Wings, I, so Wings is kind of like, <laughs> I'm like a, I'm a, I grew up like in the Beatles, so I'm a big McCartney mark, but I get in arguments with people because I, my buddy used to be like, no, Harrison, Harrison's the best Beatle. He's the most like authentic Beatle. And I was like, no, man, McCartney knew that he just wanted to write hits. Everyone else is searching for greater meaning. McCartney's like, I want hits, man. He I respect right. that. Oh, that was his job. <laughs> I, uh, I see you sipping on uh, a beverage there. Uh, what are you sipping on, if you don't mind me asking? Um, you know, I, my, my dad, we went to this farmer's market and he picked up this beer. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's a pale ale. It's a British pale ale. It was made on Long Island. I have no idea what it is. It's delicious. <laughs> so no free, no free uh, shout outs for anybody. It's in, it's in an unmarked bottle. <laughs> I, I probably, it, I might die. This could be my last interview. But uh, it's delicious right now. <laughs> I have to say your uh, your theater uh, background does sort of come through in the way that you uh, in the way that you carry yourself, and also in the way that your music videos are presented. We watched the video earlier for I want to say it was um, oh what was it Bright Lights the Bright Lights video that was one we watched earlier. It was really cool the way you did all the uh, it was like minimalist and sort of had like a, a practical artist side to it. I really enjoyed it. Like uh, where's your inspiration for that kind of side of it? Well, uh, that music video was really the brainchild of a director uh, named Thompson T, mm. who just kind of randomly hit me up on, I think it was Instagram, and was like, hey, I really like your music. Can I make a music video? And I was like, well, what's your idea? And his idea was like, exact. it was perfectly, it fit, fit perfectly to the song, in, in my opinion. So I was like, yes, we need to do this and, and make it as big as possible. You know, I I love it. I love the way he did it. Uh, I have to ask you, and I'm I'm just curious as a, as someone who's thought about this for a long time. Um, I'm about 31 to age myself, but uh, I sometimes think that when I was playing in a band, I hit a weird time where uh, we had not yet gotten to digital recording, where there was this really nice access to high quality digital recording and home, and I was still like dragging around to like studios and stuff. Uh, do you? F- how much uh, how much do you feel like access to like having this ability to record by yourself has shaped your career? It's it's why I exist. Yeah, mm. I mean, I, I Berkeley has me so far in debt that if I had to pay <laughs> studio, I I would be sleeping in a outside on a sidewalk. It's there's having a laptop that can do the same thing as Avatar or Chungking Studios mm. is like it's it's my whole existence. <laughs> And being able to mix and master and do everything myself, 
using the tools that I learned at school is like it's why I exist. Um, how long have you been performing under this current iteration? I should have did more research, I suppose, before I pulled this up. But do you have like a starting date for yourself, I guess? I think under under Give, my first release was in my first official release was in March of 2014. But I think Tilt Mode, a feature that I did with XMag and Grammatic, came out in like late 2013. So I guess 2013. Well, I guess my question is, uh, I'm always curious, was there a moment, like a, any singular moment or any particular time when you suddenly felt like, hey, people out here are, are latching onto this, like more than just like the people I know, but like there's a greater audience out here that's really latching onto what I'm, I'm saying. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's random times. Like <laughs> I just did this, uh, this tour last year to promote um, the Oh My God EP. And there were some dates where it was like, oh, my God, there's three people here. And there were dates where it was like, there's no reason that anyone in Salt Lake City should know me. The place is packed out and everyone's screaming. At first. I was like, you guys, this is weird. Why are you here? Um, <laughs> where would you uh, – it's always a hard question to ask, and it's kind of – I guess it's kind of pretentious. But uh, where would you like to see yourself? in like five years from now um i would like to keep creating music for myself um i definitely don't care to be like a big star Mm. um i would like to write music for other people i would like to get famous enough that people that i want to write music for are like who is this guy he's kind of famous he should write songs for me and then i'm like writing songs in Brooklyn, hugging cats. See, and like, see, th- that's the move. As a guy who used to be like a musician, I wish like that's what I should have just sold off all my music when, before <laughs> before I got too old. I was like, yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's the equivalent of like it, making it in the movie industry as like a, a voice actor. I just want to go into work and wear sweatpants and get paid to hear my voice. Right. That's the, is that the move? That'd be amazing. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've written has been like demos that i wanted to pitch for other artists Mm. and if i get shot down or it's a manager of an artist that i want to write for and they say that they don't like it so they're not going to show the artist or something like that then it's like well this is still a cool song i'm kind of curious about that process when you when you so when you decide to do something like this do you do it under the guise of like i have a particular specific artist in mind or do you have like a genre in mind or a particular just vibe in general it, it depends. There have been times that I've written a song and I've, I've said to myself, there's no way that this song is right for me, mm-hmm. but I do know a singer that could sing this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll try to find a way to get in touch with them to say, you should have this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, things like that. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, then either it sits until the right thing happens with it and I'll have demos of it with my voice or I'll mess with it until it feels good for Gibbs. Um, so I have to ask, uh, I was, you did a lot of crowdsourcing on the last album, was that correct? You, mm. uh, on my full-length album. Full-length. So it was the last, the last LP, which was, a, uh, I guess, a little over, maybe a year and a half ago. What was your experience with the crowdsourcing? I've always, I've always been sort of curious. It seems to be uh, a more, a more intimate way 
to have the fans be involved in the process than the ways we used to have to do it when I was, like, coming up. But, like, did you enjoy that process of, like, having the fans be directly involved that way? I mean, it was it was great because the fans did get super involved and having, like, it was almost like this person that was, comp- like, if you imagine a ton of people in, like, a trench coat that's covering all of them and they're on, like, a shoulder, and I was, like, talking to this one person comprised of many. Like, that was my, like, during the process of making the album, like, hey, guys, I think we're doing good. I think we're coming close. It was this one person, I imagine, and, you know, an array of people. Um, it was great. And the best thing about that Kickstarter campaign is that those people still stay, are still really involved. Like, they they feel um part of it and they are really like they're telling me what sounds good and like have you heard this and like are you are you listening to these artists and they want that relationship to continue and i do too i mean those were awesome people they helped me um, i exist partially because of them so uh as we've uh, teased about 19 times on this podcast for the last month and a half. Downtown Get Down, September 16th. Uh, you will be performing. Uh, you are the main headliner. We're so excited to have you on. Um, I do have a couple lightning round quick questions for you, though, uh, if you don't mind sticking around for those for just a minute. Of course. All right. Uh, com backslash get down. Uh, folks, it's going to be really, really awesome. We have the headliner, Gibbs, here. Uh, and, Gibbs, I have a few questions for you. Uh, number one, I'm going to give you full authority you can pick the people give me your ultimate lineup if you were putting on one single concert any musician past present or future who do you want to perform with give me three other headliners three other headliners would be uh prince d'angelo and radiohead yes oh oh that's good for my heart that you said radiohead that makes my that makes my heart swell Uh, (laughs) okay let me uh, let me get to the lightning round questions. Uh, these are the same questions we ask everybody on the last forty to fifty episodes. Uh, Gibbs, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Uh, light and sweet, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first automobile? I had a nineteen ninety Toyota Corolla. Ooh! No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a Celica. It was a two Celica. Ooh, a Celica. Oh, dude, Celica's a... I had a soft spot. So when I was a kid, this is going to date me, my grandparents used to get the Consumer Reports, like, magazines, and they would rank all the cars, and I thought the Celica was the coolest-looking car. Uh, my dad was like, no, don't, you, don't, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah, a red two-door with no radio. Oh, that's classic. <laughs> you may or may not have taken your red two-door Celica to see it, but what was your, li- your first live music event? Weird Al Yankovic at the Westbury Music Fair for the Bad Hair Day tour. You keep saying things that make my heart swell up. I don't know what's going on here. I think I've fallen. (laughs) I've actually heard that he is, like, he rips live, that he's a a, a really, really super competent performer, actually. It was amazing. I I caught part of his um, set two years ago at Governor's Ball, too, and it was like, Hmm. he still, I mean, he still has it. He's Weird Al. Um, Give me one book album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? Um, I, <laughs> I just w- uh, was forcibly put into watching all episodes of the show Riverdale, which is based on the Archie comi- uh, comics. <laughs> but 
the teen drama. It's horrible. Yeah. Is it really bad? I've heard big things. So bad. It's so bad. But I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for like cringeworthy television, so that's I, I get that. Um, if you could go to dinner with one person who is not your relative, living or dead, who would it be? Um, not my relative, living or dead, Thomas Jefferson. Fascinating. I'm into Thomas Jefferson. That's pretty good. Are you a politics guy at all? Or no. I like that uh, Jefferson made the Jefferson Bible, where he had this Bible and he cut out all the stuff that he didn't believe was true, and he has it. It's just like, it's just the facts. <laughs> I'm into that. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, that was a really badass thing for the time. It's like be razor blading a Bible. What? Yeah, in like the, <laughs> in like the 1700s. Um, so I guess uh, besides everything, uh, listen, I want to thank you for spending this time with us here. We're really, really, uh, truthfully looking forward to seeing you uh, this weekend. The entire town is for Downtown Get Down. Uh, Justin Parkinson, our, our boss here at Made in Utica, and Katie Riley, my real boss here at Made in Utica, are such huge fans of you. They've been talking about you constantly, not just for this buildup, but for like the last three months. Like you have no idea. They're so happy. And we're all so happy. So I appreciate you spending this time with us. Oh, uh, before I let you go, where can people go if they want to check out your material online and stuff? Got any links or anything you can hit me with? Gibbs.net takes you to everything. Mm, Wonderful. Uh, Gibbs, man, listen, thank you so much for taking this time. Uh, I don't know what part of Brooklyn you're in, but if you're ever in the uh, near Bedford and Kosciuszko Avenue, uh, there's a place that does kolache called Brooklyn Kolache, and it's my all-time favorite breakfast spot. It's, oh, wow. Dude, I'm telling you, it's the dream. It's It was right off the, the G-stop on um, uh, uh, Myrtle Ave. Oh, I'm going to lose it. I can't believe I forgot my own G-train stop. Either way, I want to... Point Ave, and then there was one above that, right? No, it's... Oh, God. It's Clinton and Washington, maybe, I'm thinking of. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to lose it because I feel I've lost all my Brooklyn credibility because I lost my G-Trace now. <laughs> uh, Gibbs, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Uh, folks, we will be back to the show in just a moment. And I'm going to have to stop two different recording devices. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry about this. So sorry about this. <laughs> again to the man Gibbs for taking some time out of his day uh, in the lovely uh, Brooklyn portion of New York City to uh, to talk to us via Skype uh, again our headliner for Saturday downtown get down uh, it's gonna be an excellent excellent show I can't wait to see more of him this weekend uh, for now though let's take a quick detour away from the get down for just a moment as we bring back in uh, GFOP of the show, Jack Flans from the Jack and Mo cooking show. Uh, he's here to accept his two-timers club trophy. Uh, he's also here to talk a little bit about uh, the Hunger Action Month food drive that he's involved in with the Hope, uh, sorry, with the Grace Church, uh, and also his Boskov's Albany cooking contest, which he's uh, participating in this weekend as well. So let's go to our good friend, Jack Flans. Satisfy you? I loved it. You liked it? Yeah, I was in the corporate communications department, mm. and uh, 
I started out with Nextel, actually, Nextel. locally in Syracuse. And uh, they hired me to pretty much promote their products and services, but also mm -hmm. to take the general manager of the facility and make him the face of the local business. Oh, okay. And uh, they also gave That's me a budget. Good. Yeah, they gave me a budget of about $50,000 to spend in the community on behalf of Nextel and recruit employees to be volunteers and have a presence in the community. Awesome. And then I went to Sprint, and it was all about products and services. Yeah. See, I did the, so I did the Verizon thing when I was younger because I got – it was when – is going to date myself. This is when, like, the APAC building on Genesis yeah. Street did the Verizon yep. thing. I was doing the cubicle thing. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the people who can do that job. And there yeah. were a lot of people there who were really good at it. Yeah. I was not one of those people. Something about <laughs> sitting in a cubicle. Oh, yeah, I've done that. No, oh, I couldn't I've do done it. That. I did student loan collections for four years oh, in a cubicle. But when I was with Sprint, I got to work with uh, New York Times, the Wall oh, Street yeah. Journal, the USA Today, mm. the major network news stations. Mm. Um, you know, I got to work with some celebrities and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, doing open, uh, grand openings. And so it was something different every day and I loved it. Uh, so Jack Land's back again. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank uh, you, Sam. Do you happen to know what episode you were on last time? 91. 91. That's correct. Wow. Look at you knowing the answers. <laughs> a whole six plus months since last time you've been on the show. So I guess before we get into what we really want to talk about today, I'll give you just an overview. How's your six months been since you've been on the show? You know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've done a lot of different things. We've made a lot of new relationships. In fact, right after the show, I had the pleasure of being involved with um, Utica Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at VCC, and that opened up a lot of doors for us. That's you know that's one of the nice things about you today is we get this. Sometimes we get like people being like, "Oh, you guys just want to like put yourselves over." But the point of Utica Day is for people to get out and meet the vendors at Utica yeah. Day. It's not like an event for us to show off. Hey, look what we did! It's yeah. look at all these people who wanted to be a part of what Utica is doing, right? So I'm glad that it worked. That's what we wanted yeah. to happen. And I mean, yeah, you know, there were vendors who came around while I was doing my thing, mm -hmm. introducing themselves and giving me their cards. And we then did some work together. So, for example, I met Angela Johnson with mm. BB Designs oh, yeah. in mm. New Hartford. We're, we scheduled an art and cooking class earlier in the year, mm. and we're scheduling another one for October. Mm. You know, I met a gentleman with uh, I Do Local, and he and I are going to work together. Yep. Mm. Um, you know, and there are two or three cases like that. And I got to see people. I saw the gentleman from the Thank You Bader, who I work with on a regular basis. Ah, uh, yes, GFOP Ryan Miller. Saw Great Ryan Miller, show. yeah. Mm. And, uh, and then we had a lot of new people come up and try a sample and take a card and give me a call. So, uh, so Jack, well, I wanted to tell you one thing as well, since this is technically this is your second yep. time on the show, and I appreciate you coming in. But that also makes you a member of our very exclusive Uticast Two Timers Club, which means you've been on the show two times. So for you, I present you with this <laughs> small trophy as a commemorative uh, piece for being on the show twice. Uh, you, along with other such uh, local local legends as uh, Assemblyman Brindisi, yep. uh, Joe Marino, and of course, Justin Parkinson from Maiden Utica, who's been on about a thousand times. Um, <laughs> so Justin's got the life size. He, he, because he's <laughs> in the crew, we, we've taken away uh, okay. his, his accolades. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I have to say, uh, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, but uh, there are two specific things we really wanted to discuss today with you. Uh, and this, I'm going to read directly from the uh, from your release yep. here that we were looking at. Uh, so this is from September 8th. Uh, local family cooking show, the Jack and Mo Cooking Show, uh, and local adventure company, uh, I Do Local, teamed up with St. Margaret's Food Pantry and Grace Church in Utica to conduct a month-long food drive with local businesses and restaurants in recognition of 
Hunger Action Month. In September, it is a month dedicated to raising awareness about hunger relief across the nation through advocacy, volunteer work, food drive events, and donations. Now, if I remember correctly, you've done work in the past with Grace Church as well, so this is not yeah. anything new for you to deal with these folks. No, not at all. Um, they're affiliated with St. Margaret's House, and St. Margaret's House is the uh, facility we use for our kitchen when we do our classes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in gratitude for them letting us use their kitchen, we always ask students to bring two items of non-perishable food. Mm -hmm. In May, um, we did a week-long food drive in uh, honor of World Hunger Day, and we raised 167 pounds of food in one week. Mm, and you know, easy. yeah, and I just want to mention there's another partner in there in the release that I want to recognize Food Cab. Mm -hmm. Food Cab and I partnered in May on World Hunger Day, and they're in again on this as well. So, what Food Cab did for us before is they uh, arranged for us to put boxes in a lot of their restaurant locations yeah. around town. For anybody who doesn't un uh, know Food Cab, they're a local restaurant delivery service. So, if the restaurant doesn't provide delivery, they do the delivery for them. You can call any restaurant in town and get food with Food Cab. Mm. So they put boxes in all their partner restaurants for us this time, and uh, they also uh, pick up food. So if they're at a location and one of their customers has food to donate, they'll grab it right then and there. And that's fascinating because you know, as a guy, you, you probably know just as well as I do, I've spent years working in the restaurant industry. Years, particularly in New York City, working uh, waiting tables in New York yep. City. And one of the common things we would get in New York City is a family-style restaurant. People would come in and they'd order a big meal. And they'd say, I can't take this home. We don't have, like, a, we're staying in a hotel. I don't have a refrigerator. Yep. Can you donate this or give this to somebody? And generally, our answer is no. No. Because it's really, I don't know how many people know this, but as a restaurant, as a restaurants are not really allowed to right. donate food in that yeah. way. You'd think it would be simple, but... Especially when you see how much food gets thrown away, it's yeah. really a shame. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a violation of health codes. It is. It's a health code violation. Yeah, it's which a health code violation. Had to tell people yeah. to make them feel better about. Yeah. It. So what we're doing is we're asking people to um, go to my website, jackandmocookingshow.wordpress.com. There's a list of people who are uh, participating right now where you can drop food off. You can also drop it off right at Grace Church in downtown Utica. Um, we have some folks that have come on board the fitness mail, put up a box. Um, we have four or five restaurants uh, from Food Cab who are active right now. We're going to be doing more. Um, Carbone, they, they're putting boxes in each of their locations mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, you know, we're talking to them about doing an internal food drive yeah. for two weeks. Mohawk Valley Health System, they're putting boxes in three hospitals for us. We may have talked about this in the past. Is there any particular reason that you particularly feel so strong about this issue personally? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up here in Utica. I grew up in the projects, and I grew up in Corn Hill. And my dad never made more than $10,000 a year in his life. And there were four kids and a wife to support. And I went to bed hungry more times than I can count. Um, there, there was just no food in the house. You know, if anybody's ever been hungry, really, really hungry, with no way to do anything about it, you understand. You know, it's, it's funny, too. I Working in the Utica public school system and working in the education department, you know, I work in public schools with these kids, and you can tell which kids are coming in every day and just anything you can offer them, they'll yeah. take. You know what I mean? I, I used to go get donuts in the morning. Yeah. i get like, two donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. And after a while, I ended up just giving them away because it was very obvious that some of these kids hadn't eaten in, yeah. like, in yeah. days, and it's yeah. sad. And the uh, St. Margaret's Food Pantry at Grace Church, they're serving hundreds of people. Um, and, you know, they're a part of the uh, 
uh, of the mainstay of Utica. Christ Church has been around forever, mm-hmm. um, and they simply need help. You know, with the cutbacks that we're seeing from the current administration, and I don't, I'm not going to get political here, but <laughs> with the cutbacks that we're seeing, the it's the people who are in need that are suffering. So, you know, anything I can do to try to help that cause, we're going to do, and I'm just trying to pull in community partners. So this is our first year, and I want to build this year after year after year. Um, and, uh, and the folks down there, they work tirelessly to help the community. Yeah. And look, you know, it's, it's good that you say it, and again, let's, let's not get into politics here, but it's something I noticed when I was living in New York, especially nowadays, it does seem like the divide between those who have and those who have not keeps getting larger and larger. And I think the reasoning for that is it doesn't seem to be any middle ground anymore at all. Like, even... I I think about it in New York City. I lived there for seven years, and by the time I got to the end, I was like, it's a little too expensive for somebody in my price range to even live here anymore. And it wasn't seven years beforehand, and now it's just getting worse and worse. And I wonder if... That's happening in large cities if we're going to see that move its way into the, the suburbs sooner than later. That makes me nervous. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh, I can tell you from someone who does a lot of cooking, I do a lot of shopping, yeah. and I see the price of food going up every day. And, you know, I mentioned yeah. that we have Food Cab on board and we have Carbone on board and Fitness Mill on board. You know, you mentioned I Do Local. They, uh, they're donating $100 worth of food, yeah. you know? It doesn't seem... Like, it, $100 doesn't sound like much, but when you realize what $100 of food actually means to yeah. somebody and what it actually provides, it, yeah. it, it goes a longer way than And you can sounds. take that $100 and go to the dollar store yeah. and get 50-cent cans of food exactly. and exactly. double it, you know? Um, we did this uh, food drive in May, and uh, it was incredible to me how much food they need versus how much they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, folks, and this is a this is a quote I just wanted to share. I like this quote. This is from uh, Cheryl Rossi Walschak. Uh, I think I said that right. She yeah. is the parish administrator and director at St. Margaret's. Um, Hunger is a serious issue that affects many people in our community on a daily basis. According to a report published by the New York State Community Action Association, February of 2017, 43.5% of families with female head of households with children present are currently living in poverty. That is a in that's a, just Oneida County, and that is a Oneida County. Horrifying stat when you really think about it. You know, I grew up with a single parent. My parents were uh, divorced early on, and my mom had to struggle through it. So that that's heavy for someone like me to see that kind of thing. If you know what I mean. Um, again, folks, for more information, uh, you can go to St. Margaret's uh, Food Pantry. Uh, call three one five seven three three seven five seven five, or feel free to drop off any donations to Grace Church, located at six. All, uh, 6 Elizabeth Street in Utica on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays between 9.30 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, go to uh, foodcab.com or Jack and Moco uh, Cooking Show at wordpress.com uh, for more details on that. Absolutely. And folks can also donate, uh, make monetary donations online mm. if you simply go to the Grace Church website. Sure. And click on support, and you'll see a, a spot there to donate directly to the... Uh, to the food pantry. Uh, so that's a great cause. Uh, I do want to talk about something else, though, something a little more uh, centered around you guys. Uh, you 
I want to say I have the numbers here. You guys won the Boscov's Best Simple Recipe Contest? No, not quite. What okay. we did is we qualified as a semifinalist. Semifinalist, okay. So we submitted, along with 11 other people, um, I submitted a recipe for the adult division for the mm. Boscov's Easy Recipe Contest. Yes. And what we had to do was accumulate votes, and the top three folks with the most votes gets to go to the live rounds this Saturday. Very good. So on Saturday, um, I, and actually we, in five days, this community helped me generate 4,070 votes. And uh, it's funny you bring that up because I looked at the finalists here. Uh, you did come in first place of the three finalists, but you were very close ahead of yeah. the second place guy. So yeah. it must have been really gratifying. It really was. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, everybody else in the contest is from the Albany area. Yeah. And it was posted in the Albany newspaper. So the other finalists... They had the whole Albany area to draw from because somebody could go to the Albany Times Union blog and see the story. Mm -hmm. I'm generating votes from Utica. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the only way I was going to do that was to do it myself because there was no newspaper story in the Utica Observer Dispatch for me to pull from. And if you know anything about Albany, they sort of forget Utica exists the minute you leave, the minute you get into the state capital. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I'm competing in the adult division, and Morgan Mo from Jack and Mo Cooking Show will be competing in the kids division. So I'm going to be making a breakfast burrito sandwich. That that was the recipe you posted, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Morgan's going to be making a um, waffle toasted turkey sandwich with um, apricot preserves, cheese and spinach. And uh, so we're going to head out Saturday morning, go out to Bob's Cubs in Albany and see if we can bring home a trophy. Wonderful. So for all our folks, uh, for all our listeners out there in Albany, uh, if you're not driving a few to downtown, get down. Go to Boscov's and support our no, good friends. No, it's in Albany, though. In Albany. Yeah, the Al- yeah. Uh, yeah. Albany friends. They yeah. Got friends. <laughs> we got friends in Albany. We got people out there. Shout out to my folks on Lark Street. I see you. I see oh, I'm in Lark Street. <laughs> my, my buddies at Bomber's Burritos. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're just still doing our thing. Uh, we're still offering group classes, individual mm-hmm. classes. We're still doing birthday mm-hmm. parties, and we're still doing meal prep delivery kits. Can I ask you a question about the Albany thing? Yeah. So let's say theoretically, I assume you're going to win, but let's say theoretically you win this event. What's the next step from there? Is this the final step for it? That's the final step. Oh, no, wow. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. So we are the 2017 Boscov's Easy Recipe Champions. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. and we win the grand prizes. Um, but, you know, what's funny is we did a cooking demonstration for Boscov's when they first opened. Yeah. And we were there for seven hours cooking mm-hmm. for the customers. They brought us back about a month ago, and sure. we did another demonstration of them for three hours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they brought this to our attention. Yeah. So it's just been one opportunity after another after another. Um, we actually did one in J.C. Penney's shortly after the Boscovs. Yeah. So, you know. I think, I think a lot of that ties the fact that, you know, and I don't know, I'm not trying to put you over yeah. just because you're here on the show. You you do seem to really commit yourself to whatever you're doing, and especially in today's sort of detached world we yep. live in, it's it is inspiring to see how much you really put all of your effort in behind whatever it is you're doing. And I respect that. I want Thank to you, know Sam. That, so, yeah. I appreciate that. And you know, the, the driving force behind that is because I want to raise my daughter to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And this is all setting an example for her. So, you know, we, we, we do the demonstrations where we make a few bucks here and there, but the, the whole food drive thing is pro bono. And it, and, yeah. it's, it's, and it has more value to me than anything else I'm doing yeah. because I've been there. I've been the kid saying, Mom, I need food. You know? uh, folks, just a reminder, again, uh, go to Grace Church website if you're looking for information about how you can donate for the Hunger Action Month for the food drive. Uh, please get involved. Uh, again, 
even a little bit goes a very long way. Uh, also, go to uh, jackandmocookingshow.wordpress.com yep. to help support our good friends Jack and Mo as they prepare for the Boscovs Finals this Saturday. You have a minute to do a couple of lightning round questions? Absolutely. Here? All right, all right. Uh, these are not the same lightning round questions I did for you last time. I was hoping one would be. Oh, oh it was you, you said, you asked me last time if I could have dinner with anybody, who would it be? Yes. And I've, I've really thought my answer on that. I like it. Let's hear it. One, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who would it be who's not your family? Gandhi. Gandhi. You know why? Why is that? More for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this one. I just have a couple of uh, food-related questions for you since uh, I'm sort of curious. Uh, when I was working at the restaurants, and maybe it's a little bit different for you, but I used to work at the restaurants. I, I spent a lot of time talking to the chefs because I found their, their life and career and what they did fascinating. But what I learned is a lot of these chefs, when they would leave home after cooking these excellent meals, the last thing they would ever want to do is actually cook any food for themselves. Yeah. So I guess with my and they would always just go to bodegas and get like boat food from bodegas. Yeah. So I guess my question is, after a long day of cooking and working in the kitchen, what do you cook when you go home? Well, you know, I, I don't work in a restaurant, yeah, and yeah. so most of my cooking is at home for me and Morgan. Right. Sure. So you know, on the days that I have Morgan, we're making like yesterday we made homemade mm-hmm. tomato basil soup. Yeah. You know, nice. and we made uh, homemade uh, grilled cheese ham and cheese sandwiches. Pressed in the waffle iron, which yeah. is our second signature move mm, yeah. to go with the soup. But when Morgan's not there, mm-hmm. I'm just scrambling for whatever's around the Scramble. house. <laughs> <laughs> when Morgan's not there, it might be canned soup. It might be an easy sandwich. But when she's there, we're cooking like crazy. A lot of my chef friends will say that they would never be caught dead eating fast food. So I'm curious if you are the kind of chef who's never eaten fast food or if there is any special fast food that sort of you sneaky eat on the side. You know, I've had fast food in the past before I got involved in all this. I've certainly cut it back to a minimum. Um, I used to do the Subway thing when I was really desperate because Mm -hmm. you can make that pretty healthy. Um, And every once in a great while, if I was like all day long, I hadn't eaten yet and I'm still on the go, I might drop in the Wendy's and get a salad. Yeah. But I don't do the greasy burgers anymore. But I have a weakness for pizza. Well, that comes from living in this area. Yeah, I, I, I have a weakness for pizza. So, you know, I, I've cut back on my habit, but, you know, I'm still going to Pizza Anonymous once a month, but I, I, I've still got the pizza bug. Uh, I, it's so funny, too, because there's so many good pizza places around yeah. here, too. It make, they don't make it very easy to not No, yeah, I've got a pizza monkey on my back. <laughs> and I guess last one for you. Uh, if you remember, what was the first real uh, recipe or meal you ever remembered learning to cook? It was a meal I st- well, there's two. There was one that I still make today called Game Day Stew. Mm. And it was a recipe in a cookbook written by a friend of mine, Dave, J- Dave Joachim. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might know this. It's called A Man, A Can, A Plan. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he worked for Men's Health at the time. Yeah, and he wrote these cookbooks. And uh, I have a signed copy. And it's a beef stew. And I changed it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But basically, you're using a can of potatoes, a can of peas, a can of carrots, a can of tomato basil soup as the gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to use sirloin beef tips yeah. and onions. Yeah. And you put that all in a casserole dish, you mm. cook it for two hours, and you take it out, you put the peas on top, put it back in for right. half an hour, and you got stew. And that's one of the first things I made for me and Morgan when I started doing this. The other is something I started making for Morgan called a one-eyed sailor. Mm. A one-eyed sailor is a piece of bread. Yes. 
you take a cup or a glass or something, you punch out a hole, mm -hmm. you cook an egg in the middle of it, yes. in a frying pan or on a griddle. Mm. So my mom sort of did this for me as a kid, but it was called eggs in a basket. But it's yes. the same idea. Yeah. And yes, it's one of the, it's an under. <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. And, and and when she was a kid, I mean, she would. I would say, go get the bread. She'd put it out. Go get a cup. Poke the hole. Okay. What did you call it? One-eyed sailor. One-eyed sailor. Never heard of that. One-eyed sailor. Good. And and I'd, I'd have her crack the egg and put it in there. So it was really the one of the first things she helped me make. Oh yeah. Nice. And then I'd put it on the griddle, and then I'd show her how to flip it, and we'd put some syrup on it, and yeah. she, you know, it's fantastic. And then we graduated the French toast. Wow, well, that's. And the next logical step. Yeah, and then the, the next thing that we're doing right now, a lot of is a is a fifteen minute eggs Benedict dish. Mm, nice. That just one two three steps and bam, and, and it's on my website. I love uh, I love that as I got older, eggs have become a more regular thing in almost even if I make a hamburger now, there's yeah. a good chance I'm frying an egg and yeah. it on top. I never would have as a kid. Again, folks, the website is uh, Jack and Mo Cooking Show Continue to support Jack and Mo and all the good things they're doing for our community. Uh, Jack, it's always a pleasure Thank to you, have Sam. you on the show. Yeah. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Uh, Jack's good people. He's got a good heart. He's got a good uh, a good spirit. Loves the community. Loves giving back. Uh, I wish nothing but the best for Jack and Mo and the cooking show. Uh, so, since we're already just stacking interviews back to back to back, I figured, why not one more? Let's go back to the downtown get down one more time and talk to GFOP Tim Schramm. It's been a long time since he's been on the show. He's involved this weekend for the Get Down as well. I'm very excited to talk to him. Here he is, Tim Schramm. It's very rare, actually. That I never tell people to turn their phones off, and people's phones will go off sometimes, and they get really nervous. Like I'm gonna be like some like. Oh, okay, we gotta start over now. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta start all over again. Say everything you just said all over again. <laughs> That'll scare. You do, I do that sometimes to scare people. They don't like that. Like, know. oh man, really? <laughs> it's actually. So I was trying to figure this out. You have been on the show three times. This is your third time on the show. You were on episode number five. Jesus. All the way back wow. in the early days. And then you were on episode 46. This is episode 116. Wow, so it Sam, has been... You are going... Yeah. <laughs> you are going along with this. I know. It's, it's good. It's true, man. I, I keep literally saying, the only podcast I really have time to listen to either, too. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, My Tuesday ritual. You, you'll appreciate this as a guy who's played in bands. Every time I do a show, I'm like, I'm going to quit next time. <laughs> I'm like, this is the last one. Oh, yeah, yeah. No I, more. I can't take it anymore. I'm I can done. completely relate to that. That's why I'm only doing, like, with the little, like, promotional thing that mm. I'm doing now, uh, I'm doing two things a month, mm. and that's it. Mm. Like, one bit live band thing and one DJ thing. Because for me, it's easier, and it's like, and it's also, like, it's guaranteed a lot more people come out, yeah. and it's like a lot more chill. And for me, it's like, 
I'm not used to staying up super late. I'm getting used to this like normal normal living hours now. So I'm gonna do the Donald Trump thing that he does, where I'm gonna say I'm not gonna talk about something. I'm gonna make a comment anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, I, we're not gonna talk about the death. We're not gonna talk about it today. But I I say it all the time. I don't think I talked about it with so many bands and so many people who've been connected to you and what you did for them. Um, so many people who appreciated what you did, and I hope you somewhere along the way heard that from those oh, people. Oh yeah, I, you know I, mean? I mean, I still do on a regular yeah. basis. I, I hope wonderful. You do. I'm glad because that was do. the that was kind of the point. Like whether whether it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter the location, it's Utica. Like getting yeah. music in Utica. Exactly. And yeah, if the location's not there, that's fine yeah. because I've, as you've seen, I've managed to be able to like mm-hmm. uh, you know. I, Without having that place, I wouldn't have gained a repertoire or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Introduced to other mm-hmm. other bar owners or venue owners or or people and get the word out that people trust me to bring something in and I'm gonna do oh, a show. Yeah. You know. You know. And it's funny too because I always look back at like stuff I did in the past and I'm like, I use, I always have a weird arc with it, right? Like even yeah. nowadays, people are like, hey, weren't you that guy in the WB? And I used to hate that, but now <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's me. Okay, fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Now it's like, weren't you that guy who lived in New York? That's the one that I'm like. Mm. Well, we gotta talk about New York every time. Don't time. remind me. Come on. <laughs> oh wait. Well, to be fair, one of the interviews tonight was the guy Gibbs, who's the headlining yeah. the thing. He was in Brooklyn, and I t- immediately talked about Brooklyn. I was oh, like, hey, just so you know, natural. Brooklyn, Brooklyn stuff. And I lived there for twenty years, so I know. It's like, uh, where did you? That's, I forgot about that. Where I did you live in? A lot in of places. I mean, I lived in every place. I mean, I never lived in Sunset Park. And I never lived in Bay Ridge. So if you think about every oh, other, man. no, I never lived in Williamsburg either because I, I lived Free in Bushwick hipster. for. I mean, I lived in Bushwick in two thousand. So, oh, so would it be it was fair? Would it be completely different? <laughs> would it be fair to say that you were pre pre yeah. the Brooklyn Renaissance? That's, that's just showing my age there. Ah. <laughs> no, that's, that's good street cred, man. You were there beforehand. Yeah, you were there when it was still I had a, a crappy loft, you know, <laughs> that I shared with four other people there, and you know, I I I, I had a you know a that's the, that's the dream mattress on the floor, but it was great because it was dirt cheap, and I worked at like Pearl Paint, you know, and like oh. I was going to school, and like it was great, you know. It's weird when you're not in it, right? Yes. Like, the lifestyle when you're in it is very romantic, and you get caught up in it. In hindsight, when I look back at it, I'm like, God, why did I see? I have the opposite where really? I'm like, I can't believe I did that, like yeah. being like so broke and like <laughs> you know eating white rice from the Chinese restaurant around the corner because that was the only Bologna thing I could afford. Yeah. Yeah, like similar, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like wow, I did that. It's like so, no matter what, like you know, I'm I'm almost forty now, so I I look at it like wow, if I pulled that off, when it, yeah. you don't look like it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I get younger with the, with the more whiskey I have. <laughs> that's it, shaving years off my life from regressing. <laughs> I wish that's how it worked. Isn't that would be great. That'd be fantastic. Uh, well, before I get too far uh, off. Yeah, there, questions. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about these P2 shows you've been putting on. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of the next stage for you with what you've been doing yeah, at the P2, moment. P2, part two. Yeah. Is that where the title comes from? It was simple. And I already had some domain that was like related to it. So I was like, yeah, this will work. So what's your what's the day-to-day like for you right now with doing this kind of promotion as opposed to like doing it at a standard location? Um, it's, uh, you know, all the stuff is like, you know, booking far in advance to begin yeah. with because I still have, I still get people hitting me up, like a lot of bands that love coming here and yeah. it's such a convenient spot, which I've said before on your show, that Utica is such a central location that yeah. people are, since I've already had them here, they're... They always hit me up when they're on tour, like, hey, we're going to be on tour in, like, six months. Like, what can we do? Um, you know, I still, I work my day job. You know, I do everything. I do my freelance work. And then, like I said, mm. I do, like, two things a month because I don't want to overdo it. And it's also no timing-wise, like, you know, and Nail Creek has been amazing. Mike, has, it? And Mike How about it? has been so good. But, like, 
hey, you want to do something here? And, you know, we got a time where I can hit him up like, hey, I got this thing happening, like a Hank Cupcakes. We did that, and that, that turned out, it was amazing. Was it was great. so much fun. So many people came out. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was like a good boost for me to say, hey, you know, I can do this at other places. And since I live right by Nail Creek, too, it was really convenient because I can leave my gear there and come back and get it in the morning. Um, you know, so <laughs> I do, you know, one DJ thing a month. I've been yeah. doing stuff at that place. Like I have another, you know, after this weekend mm. with The Real Burnouts, Comfy, Our Common Roots, Auld Lang Sin. I can't. hope that I'm saying <laughs> I right. I think it's Auld I, I can't. I don't I, know. Parkinson's I feel the bad. same thing to you earlier I feel today. bad because like, <laughs> I've known Jay. Jay Schnitt is an amazing yeah, local yeah. musician. Awesome. And you know, like I asked him, he was like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, you know? And I feel bad because, like, I, I've kind of met the other members of that band before because I had them at different shows. Um, like, getting like getting four local bands. Well, Comfy was based out of here, but he's he, he moved to Philadelphia. He's got a whole new band. And they're, they're on a little tour. They're coming up. Like, having that, like, after this, I have uh, a show at that place on September 22nd. Mm-hmm. Which is an amazing band from Rochester called Green Dreams. Oh yeah, and uh, it's uh, an old buddy of mine, Mike Trzanski, who's from Utica originally, based out of Rochester, and he does. He's heavily involved in the mm. music scene there, which is every band from that Love town that. is so amazing. And they're gonna come down in a band from Chicago called Absolutely Not, nice. uh, punk rock with an organ for instead Ooh, of a bass. I'm into that. Yeah, it's sure. so good. And the local band Breakneck, uh, my buddy Caden, they own Skate Shop, Grime Co. Those oh, yeah. guys. Oh, are, yeah. So them, and then, so that's my my two shows for the month. Nice. And then White Noise Workshop, which we've been doing at the, oh, yeah. our studio where Made in Utica was oh, at yeah. their offices. Uh, we do that, you know, the once a month thing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's that's my special little, because I get to play drums for like a couple hours, you know. Uh, <laughs> doing the two best. Th- that's so nice. I mean, I get really tired. Oh, yeah. But it's oh, yeah. totally. You know what I notice with that is not with the drums so much with bass for me. If I'm playing bass for a long period of time, my wrist might as oh, well yeah. fall off my hand. Uh, it's terrible. I have arthritis like really oh, badly in my hands, and it's getting worse. That's, so I'm like, I gotta save it up. That's I gotta curse. make sure I can play drums. That's, that's our curse, man. That's what comes mm-hmm. with being a musician. That carpal tunnel. Yeah, it's, it's a mixture of being a musician and being a programmer and yes. typing on a keyboard all day. Around. And, you know, my forty-hour week job. So. So man, I'm gonna go back to these four bands because these would be the four bands that are playing uh, yes. from four to eight p.m. at Franklin Square. That's our common no, roots. Twelve to four. Twelve to, 12 four. to four. I knew yeah. that. I know it changed, and that Katie had Katie from Manuka reminded me. I I kept sending the flyer, and I kept forgetting to fix. Twelve to four. Twelve to four. com backslash get down. Go there for all the yes. details. You know what? I've gone through the details so many times, it's hard for me to keep it all like, in order. <laughs> they organize it. They've done such a great job, like setting this up that. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people who who are in touch with it. I can't. I mean, those guys—they're so good about this stuff. It's, oh, yeah. it's it. Uh, Made in Utica is a treasure for Utica. Thank you. You didn't have to put us over on the show. No, so I'm just—I'm <laughs> saying, like, I've—we've done so much stuff together, and mm. it's always been, no matter how chaotic like mm. planning events can be, and this is a huge yeah. thing. Like, if you think about it, like, the amount of things going on in one day that oh, Katie yeah. and Justin have put together. Yeah. You know, and then you got Zach with his photo booth, and like, you know, Mark's probably gonna be out there with his cameras, like getting some awesome video. Like, it's, it boggles my mind that they are able to pull this off. Well, I tend to think about it as like the Maiden Utica extended family sometimes, because you know, there's there's this core Maiden Utica office people, like people in the office. But I also think about all the the vendors and the community outreach we get, who I also think of sort of as like surrogate members too. Yes, absolutely. 
and it is nice, and I'm really hoping that the weather's good and the turnout's good because it it'll be great. Looking good so far. Uh, I'm <laughs> um, so our common roots, uh, Comfy's actually been on the show. Great guys, I'm very excited yeah. to coming in. Connor is a treasure. Oh, he's he such is a nice guy. one of the most hilarious and loving and sweet people, and you know the real burnouts. They have been the band, How about the it? underrated. Almost, and Paul's probably gonna be mad that I say this, but underappreciated Utica band. They have been consistently in Utica mm. since 1997. Yeah, I remember from 1997. I was it's still 2017. <laughs> Paul Crowther has been. He is a Utica treasure, and mm. I want all I ever want to do is make more people aware of the <laughs> crazy output yeah. that Paul does. I mean, he's pushing like 30 albums yeah. worth of material. He has, he manages to get the best musicians in Utica together to be his backup band. Yeah. No matter what he does. And they haven't, this will be the only show they're playing this year, mm. too. Because this is how it goes. Like, you, things slow down, yeah. you get it going, and he's he has got together such an amazing group of musicians nice. to play this show. Totally different from last time, and no hoaxes this time because he is also known for his <laughs> theatrics. <laughs> and when when there's nothing quite like seeing a, the real burnout show mm-hmm. in Utica, New York, and to see them play outside in Franklin Square is going to be a treat. I can't, like, I can't wait. I'm so psyched to have him do. Oh, who knows what he's got in store for us too? <laughs> I have uh, I have some non downtown get down related questions if you don't mind. Okay, if you're curious. As long uh, as it's not personal. No, oh, everything, everything's personal. <laughs> everything's right. personal. So, uh, I'm going to give you uh, total autonomy here on a couple questions. Number one, okay. uh, you were on the cereal aisle. Total autonomy, price not included. What's your number one breakfast cereal coming off the aisle? Uh, you know, I never eat cereal. And I no haven't, cereal. Well, well I'll, I'll preface this, but I haven't eaten cereal in years. But now, I eat Cocoa Pebbles. <laughs> Cocoa Pebbles should have a nutrition fact in the side that gives the servings by the box because every time I open a box of Cocoa or Fruity Pebbles, you might as well just not close them. I'll just leave no, it here. No, I have the problem yeah. too where I put way too much in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're gluten-free. And really? They're, yes, they oh. are. And my, my girlfriend has gluten-free, so I've gotten into eating that. I was say, are you gluten-free? No, I'm not, but I, I kind of eat it because it's better. I got bad guts. I'm, you know, I hear you. And my age... That happens when we get old sometimes. But yeah, Cocoa Pebbles is definitely my go-to. Same question, autonomy. You could go on any game show, past, present, or future. Where's your most success lie? You know what? I would have to say Jeopardy because my father has been that guy that answers every jeopardy question before anyone does and it has always been a thing and i wish he would just go on it he's probably too shy to ever go on it but he would win millions of dollars he would beat what's ken the guy ken, Burr, or ken smith ken, yeah, yeah. He, whoever that guy is that had yeah. that long consecutive street my father would be ken him. jennings ken that's jennings, ken yeah. jennings that's it my father would beat him i guarantee it yeah. but he would never go on it ken so is, i would it would definitely be jeopardy ken smith is our buddy from you got. I don't know why I'm got. Sorry, Ken. Uh, um, yeah, I Jeopardy is a good one. Uh, I was I like to watch Jeopardy with people and low key be good at it. Not tell people. Just that's like kind of how I, I was yeah, like, yeah. Eh, you know, I kind of know these useless facts. Useless. So <laughs> I'm glad yeah, you... I, I feel like I'd probably fail just being on the spot for things, but I would give it a shot. <laughs> uh, 
You are going to be the booker for a large-scale show. You can pick three headliners to play with you as a band. Give me your three headliners, past, oh, present, or future, to man. play with you and your band. Oh, I get past, present, and future? Past, present, and That's future. Not bad. I would say my first one would be Tom Waits. Tom Waits? You Tom Waits guy? Oh, God. I didn't know that. I mean, if any, anybody knows Tom Waits knows exactly why I would say that. <laughs> so there's if you don't know Tom Waits, I'm sorry. You're missing out. Or you hate them, because people do, I have tried to introduce people to Tom Waits, and they hate it. Okay, you're going to laugh at me. Tom Waits is one of those things that when I was in my musical education career, when I, at that point in my life where I was actively searching out all these new influences and things, Tom Waits is a name that kept getting popped around mm-hmm. and like, with all these things I listened to. So I went out and like downloaded, uh, definitely not illegally, by the way, definitely <laughs> legally downloaded... Uh, like the entire Tom Waits discography, like all. Oh, of that's a big range. Big of range, different sounds. And <laughs> and it was it was very daunting to yeah. unpack. It's so it's sort of like for people in the seventies, like King Crimson was probably hard to unpack in that way. Yeah, it's very. I, I, yeah. I could see the relation, <laughs> even though music is completely different. But yes, yeah, it's, it's just very, very particular thing. <laughs> where would you start if I'm picking a Tom Waits album to start? Oh man, uh, Swordfish Trombones. Probably, uh, I think, uh, just because that was the start of his ultimate weirdness, mm, and he got Stuart Copeland from the Police playing drums Underrated. with him Underrated. on that album, and that was like the start of him like just being this iconic weirdness, almost like uh, like I want to relate him to Frank Zappa a bit yeah. because I think that's the easiest thing for people to digest is that like oh, people yeah. know Frank Zappa and how weird he is, mm. and Tom Waits is equally as weird, yeah. but in a more ballad. Style, I, that's, that's a, fair. I think that's a, that's a fair. fair way. He, it, it is. I felt like it was a little bit hard to approach at the time because I was still sort of in my punk rock days where I'm like, this yeah. is not as loud. Well, it was. Yeah. A, I, I think like the Ramones covering Tom Waits, yeah. like that was like the. I, I think it was like a kind of catalyst because I, I was already familiar with him when I heard him. I was probably like 18 or 19 years old yeah. when I first got into him. You know, I and I I gotta be honest, I rarely ever listened to him. Yeah, anymore fair. because yeah. I did for years. Now it's like yeah, it is a default thing. Look. Sometimes you go in and out of music. So the other bands. Oh yeah. yeah. So the, the, you said yeah, three. Three bands. Three bands. Two more um, from you. The Melvins. The Melvins. I've known very little about the Melvins. Um, I have, you know, some people are fish heads. Sure. You go to multiple. They see fish all the time. <laughs> they, they just go. I I I'm not <laughs> a fan not my, personally. Not thing, sure. I'm not into it, but I do respect them for what oh, they yeah. do. Very talented. Um. I have seen the Melvins uh, up to, well, that was a month ago, I went and saw them in Syracuse. Uh, that was my 11th time seeing them. Uh, they have been a staple for me mm. since I was probably 16 years old. Um, I almost, I can't, I, I could probably get them. That's yeah. the most, I could actually <laughs> yeah. get, I could actually book them because they are those guys that are like, yeah, we'll do a show mm. for fifteen hundred bucks as long as we can fit on the stage. Yeah, that's and fair. I tried to get them at the Dev when I had it open. Yeah, I couldn't fit. They had a two drummer two setup. Drum. And oh, it's wow. huge. Two drummers. Yeah. God. Oh yeah. That's and a big. That's tough. So <laughs> my third one, it's tough. I can't. I can't really think of anything. Well, you know, if you're gonna go dream, bands, yeah. right? Dream. I hopefully, one of my favorite bands in the world. And mm. uh, I, I've said this a million times, and no one knows them. Say for a few hmm. re- very particular music people, it's a German band mm-hmm. from, uh, I mean, they're still active now, too. They're called Einstersen Neubauten. Dead nothing. No idea. Yeah. And <laughs> they are iconic. They've been around since the late 70s. Hmm. They build all their own instruments. 
they and they don't ever tour anymore because they literally will play instruments built out of these giant uh, cave excavating really? motors. Huh. Uh, look them up when you get a chance. Trust me, because they start out as like a noise experimental art thing in mm. the late 70s, and they have gone into this orchestral, beautiful, experimental arts band. They are called the founders of industrial music. Interesting. Though I do not agree with that, even though I was into industrial music when I was a teenager. <laughs> I don't agree with it just because they're they're an art band. Mm. Uh, and half their lyrics are in German, so people are just thrown off by the whole thing. Them or Can. Can. Can's a band whose name gets thrown around a lot that yes. I remember hearing. Like Another German-based yeah. group from the 70s. Uh, uh, they're, uh, one of their members just passed away this week, too. That's what reminded me. Uh, they are, are very iconic, like Kraftwerk-y. Like they inspired Kraftwerk to be the band Ooh, they are. Kraftwerk. You know, but they were a live band with... Multiple drummers, multiple yeah. percussionists, all kinds of weird sounds. So that's my that's my three bands there. Because I have known over the years that you are uh, you have a more nuanced take in music than me. I'm gonna look. Mm-hmm. For, I'm gonna give you a couple bands that were formulative to me, and I'm gonna let you shit on them. Okay. okay. Oh, all right. Oh, you're putting me in the spot here because I'm to to clarify for the listening audience, I'm drinking whiskey right now. That's so we like to keep people feeling good. I'm gonna try to keep my swear words at a minimum. What are your thoughts on LCD sound system? Ah, oh, man. I was never that into them, but holy hell, this new album, yeah. I just got it the other day, I love it. It's pretty, yeah, like this it, dude, it's like, pretty, I'm not yeah. the biggest fan about like that, that, that type of style, like mm-hmm. his approach to music, but yeah. I love, I, I do have a soft spot for pop music, so mm-hmm. if there's, if I would pick any pop artist yeah. that I really love, LCD Sound System. So I can't, I can't shit on them. All right. How about this one? Uh, pavement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big funny. pavement guy. That's funny because I, all of my, literally all my friends that have influenced me musically, that have tossed me things, that have gotten me into bands, mm. have been huge pavement fans, and I have never been into them. They are the fish of 90s indie rock to me. <laughs> I, was working, I was working in a hipster bar in Nyack, New York once. It was called Olives. Shout out to Olives in Nyack. I, I think I've been there before, it's actually. The it's only the only, bar, the the only, the only like, music bar in Nyack, right? Uh, and there was, I remember getting in an argument with a guy about pavement and built to spill. Because Ooh. I was a big pavement guy, and he was a big built to spill guy. And he was like, you know, pavement's bullshit because they don't take it seriously. And I was like, no, built to spill is bullshit because they're too earnest. And that was the argument we got in. You know, I can relate to that argument, yeah. actually, because I was always weird about built to spill, too. Whereas, like, yeah. I, I have probably their discography. I have a few pavement albums, don't get me wrong. Mm. Like, they have their time. I think when I was first introduced to them, I was really, like, I hate this. <laughs> but I also felt that way about Flaming Lips. And then grew to love them, yeah. like ridiculous. Even now today, as weird and obnoxious as Wayne Coyne is, I still love Flame <laughs> Lips. So it was kind of like an early, even though at my age, yeah. I was around <laughs> for those bands coming out and becoming sure. popular. I did not like any of them. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go farther back to these two, and I'm okay. I'm digging back. These are the last two for you. All right, Blink One Eighty Two. No, thank you. No, thank you. Nothing at all. I understand. It's, just, I, it's not, I mean, I didn't grow up in that time. Understand. I do have a lot of friends that really yeah. love them and have them, but I just, I can't. Can I tell you what it is? Deal for with me? the whiny voice. I, I grew up for with guys. Crass as a punk rock band. Crass. Can, can I just put that? Well, the Kennedys and Crass. I'm a big Minuteman guy, so I got back. Oh, in, well, yes. I love okay. the Minuteman. Yes, so I got too. 
Blink Eighty Two for guys in my era was a jumping on point because number one, it's how I learned to play guitar. Okay. It's how a lot of my friends learned to play guitar. Well, because I mean, I could probably I can't play guitar, but I could probably play every Blink One Eighty Two song on top. It's true. And I'm gonna argue that. <laughs> and I have arthritis in my hand. Both Blink, both guys <laughs> in Blink have bad voices, but they taught me about vocal harmonies in a okay. weird way. They have. Yeah, really good, I, um, I mean, I give them credit. Yeah. Either way. I well, feel the same well, way about, like, Linkin Park. Like, yeah. I can't stand listening to it, mm. but, man, I gotta give him credit. Yeah. Like, and here's my last one. My gosh. sister got me into this one. Sublime. What are your thoughts on Sublime? Um, I, uh, I, I don't hate on them. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to them. Sure. I remember when they came out, and I was totally like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like it when white people try to do reggae. Yes, okay. It's tough to I do grew that. up in a neighborhood that was mostly Jamaican people. Yeah, yeah. So I was exposed to like either classic reggae or like the really obnoxious dancehall stuff. Yeah, like reggaeton stuff. Yeah, reggaeton. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I can't say it now, but that's what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I first heard them, I was like, "This is bullshit." Mm-hmm. Can I say bullshit? You can This is bullshit. A bunch of white dudes, and then after a while, the you know the people I was around at the time like. It became so ubiquitous that I was like, it's always yeah. on. I was like, yeah, these guys are fun. They're, I, I, I kind of got what they were mm. doing. Like, they had fun making music. Mm. So that completely shut down my distaste for it. Wow, you didn't give me anything I could really, really shit on. Come big, on! Big formative band for me, Sublime. I think that, this is my hot take, I think that Sublime, much like Nirvana, benefits from having a limited catalog of music to go back and look at. I, don't, I agree. I don't think that Because if they would have stuck around, yeah, yeah. different story. Would have diluted the catalog. Yes. I think you're looking back at limited catalog and it. you look at, this is their entire body of work and let's examine it and it goes a long way yeah. to appreciating it. True fact, I was never in a Nirvana. I was Except a, mm, B-sides. I'm a big Pearl Jam guy. Growing up, I know, I've, I can see your face cringing. Oh, uh, Pearl Jam and Salad Garden are two of my most... Uh, despised sound <laughs> I, I have nothing against the bands themselves like I know how amazing like yeah. Chris Cornell is like it's such an amazing singer like such a mm. uh, such a strong character like he was very powerful I just never liked it Eddie Vedder okay here's the thing I love Pearl Jam people come to me and say you like Pearl Jam you I say fight? yes you wanna fight about no, it <laughs> they say you like Pearl Jam I go yes they go so that means you like like Nickelback I go no no. I like Eddie Vedder. I like Pearl Jam. I loved their classic rock guitar yeah. style. It sounded like the What Who. they did at the start. Yeah, I, you know, you're, okay. you're right. You're absolutely right. What I don't like is the subculture that grew. <laughs> what they out, spawned. What they spawned, right? But <laughs> does it, should I be mad at them? Probably not. No, it's not their fault. It's like, should I be mad at all the shitty, like, knockoff Nirvana bands who came out? Should I be mad at the Foo Fighters because Nirvana exists, right? Like, I'm not a big Foo Fighter guy, so not at the Foo Fighters. I love their first album. Never losing anything else after that. Okay, but man. I highly respect Dave Grohl because he's yes. a character. He's a very interesting character that's not a shitbag. We could uh, we could play this music game all day. Yeah, I'm going to save this. All right, what's your next question, Seth? No, I got I, I to uh, close it up. This is it. All right, 25. Good. Oh Listen. We did good. Uh, again, where can people go to get okay. more information about P2 Shows? P2Shows.com. P2Shows.com. Mm-hmm. Madeinutica.com slash get down. That's right. Uh, we have... Uh, comfy, the real burnouts, the iconic Utica band, the real burnouts. I love it. Only show this year. Gotta catch them. Auld Lang Syne. I'm calling them Old Lang Syne until they correct me. Otherwise. Okay. Uh, Jay Shannon and company. Great guy. Excellent. Beautiful music. Mm. And Our Common Roots, another 
the, the pretty much the only working Utica band that makes original music right oh, now, yeah. as far as I know, and I feel like I know about bands around here. You know a little bit about bands. They're they're, they're the only band that's still out gigging right now. Justin Parker, he was in the Mustard Band. Mm. Like Justin's been around forever. Good stuff. But let me just reiterate once again, the real burnouts. <laughs> The only show is, I, I have to say that because people haven't seen them and it bothers me because they are amazing. They are, to me, iconic. They are one of the biggest influences to my own music that I make. That's the real burnouts. Yeah. High praise. Man. And I don't play rock and roll music when I, you've heard my I music know. before. I don't do rock and roll, but that they are my ideal rock and roll band. So the real burnouts, comfy, I'll lang sign. Our Common Roots, 12 to 4, Saturday, Franklin Square, Utica, New York, was... with a ton of vendors. It's all free, folks. All free. And then later on, my good friend, the iconic Thomas D. I can't wait to see Thomas is D. Is going to spin before this guy Gibbs. I never heard of him before. Justin and Katie told me about him. I'll show you some. I'll, I'll show you wow, a video for I, I, No, I, I, I checked him out. Yeah, I, I totally dig it because hmm. I love my pop music, too. So he was nice, he was nice enough to give me a, a Skype interview on this episode oh, as sweet. well. He's on in great guy. You're gonna re, you're gonna really like him when you meet him. He's a really really. I guy already guy. like the music, so I'm down. Tim, we can do this all day. I love Brother. talking to you, buddy. Yes. All Best right. of luck, folks. Back to the show in just a moment. y'all didn't forget about us here now that all these interviews are done with. <laughs> it's been a long time we waited here they waited kevin and heather waited here for all three of those oh, interviews yeah, we to finish the they just sat through mm. uh i do have some other stuff to talk about uh besides downtown get down stuff if you guys would like to get into some of it today are you guys ready we're getting tricked into something we are we are <laughs> we are i can already tell uh i'm gonna say right now 19 <laughs> interviews we're still gonna do history lessons we're still doing history lessons uh, I will say this week's history lessons are not in chronological order uh, for uh, reasons which will make themselves clear in a moment. Uh, so on this day, in 1996, Tupac Shakur was murdered in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas. Uh, Is this the day he was shot or the day he died? The day he died. Okay, because he died. He was in the hospital for like five days or something after they shot him. Yeah. Um... This is actually, it's kind of weird. Uh, we're going to talk about something in just a moment about like news stories that were sort of everywhere. But uh, this was actually one of the first, I didn't know much about Tupac before this. This was actually one of the first times I ever knew really about Tupac, mm. which sounds kind of weird. No, because I was in, I was in like sixth grade. Yeah, I was 10. So you were in fifth grade and that makes yeah. sense. I had, we listened to like some Tupac, All Eyes on Me was a really cool album and like we were all getting into like rap music mm -hmm. when we were young and it had like a lot of hits. Like California Love was really big at that time. Getting us all into music, so it was like a sad thing. We didn't really have any context. Mm. Uh, funny, well, not funny, interesting fact. He was on his way from a boxing match. Mm -hmm. It was Mike Tyson and Michael Spinks. Leon Spinks? I don't know. Somebody like that. Mike Tyson, though. Mike Tyson fight. Uh, on this day in 2004, this is kind of an interesting one. I thought this was funny. The first season of the HBO hit Entourage completed. It was the end of its first season. 
for people of a certain age, Kevin, we watched a lot of Entourage. Did you watch Entourage mm-hmm. at all? I did Did you watch Sex and the City? Yes. Okay. I tend to think of those two shows in the same sort of yeah. realm. So, Kevin, let me start with this because you and I watched this together. Sure. Does Entourage have any legacy, like 13 years later? It's not good. It's not good. No. It's not it's a good not, legacy. <laughs> it's not a good legacy. No, no, no. But did you like it? Yeah. It was enjoyable. Mm. It's. I, I feel like... HBO has all these highbrow shows. Right? So it came out a little bit before all that prestige TV was really yeah. happening. And mm-hmm. that's, it came out at an unfortunate time, I think. Mm-hmm. And also the culture shifted very, very quickly shortly. Because we went back and we watched some of it like recently. We had watched it like when it was on like when we were younger or whatever. We watched some of it recently and there's a lot of stuff they do and say in there were viewed through the prism of 2017. You're like, ooh, yeah. ooh, that's, you can't really be <laughs> yeah. talking like that. You can't <laughs> yeah. really be acting that way. You know what I mean? It's true. Um, it is, it's an interesting time capsule, but I don't think this is like, okay, so I just finished watching the Twin Peaks thing, right? 25 mm-hmm. years, right? All that, all the buildup, all this hype for it. I just finished sure. watching it. There was like a clamoring and this cult fan base that wanted it and he was here and fine, great. You don't, I don't see, like, a clamoring for this show in, like, no, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? it's whipped cream. It's a whipped cream It's television. frosting. Yeah. Like, it's not, there's not really the substance there. It's a half an hour show about hmm. a bunch of buddies who, the one guy makes it rich and their friends, like, navigating Hollywood, but everything always works out and it's okay. It's just... What about Sex and the City, though? Will people still talk about Sex and the City? Does Sex and the City have a legacy? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. No. Yes, it does. Not, <laughs> the women world, it absolutely does. Not really. I'm curious. No, because you know, I've heard it that a lot. A, and like in a different round, like a different. That's another like, one yeah. though that that viewed through the prism of 2017, you're kind of like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't really resonate they the same way that it should have. Like, twice in the last ten years that have sold out and did really well. <laughs> Transformers Five returned <laughs> to Megatron <laughs> also sold out and did really I well. I loved Sex in the City. I really did. It was like women were saying things that women were see. never saying out loud. Like and and they were doing things that women weren't really. Are you a are you a Carrie? I'm trying to figure out which oh one. Oh my god! Everyone said it was Miranda. I don't. I don't <laughs> even know. Every time our friend, she was a, like. Which one was she? Least attractive one. Which one was which? One, she, as long as you're not the Kim Cattrall one. No, I'm not. Good. No, oh, you're that fine. Wasn't that? All right. She was like the smart one. That's really. <laughs> anyway, it was like a show that really just said things that women weren't really saying out loud mm. and doing. And I think. Uh, that's fair. I get that. I don't think that's kind of the point. And actually, that's an interesting point for Sex and the City as opposed to Entourage. I do think that there is like a certain aspect of like Sex and the City did sort of speak to an audience, like a women's audience that maybe didn't resonate to the male audience. Oh, absolutely. I don't think Entourage resonated to males any differently than anybody else. It was like a Hollywood show. It was like a show about show business, mm-hmm. right? It was sort of like a glad-handing show. The, the thing that I think probably does sort of identify, if you're really digging into it, is they did a pretty decent job of portraying... Uh, you and me are very much in the same boat. We've got a lot of old friends. A lot yeah. of friends we've had since the neighborhood, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it did a good job of portraying those those brotherhoods and uh, friendships as you get older and life changes. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good legacy. That's what's interesting That's about interesting. Ah, oh, okay, so there you go. It that's the thing. <laughs> it's about, it's about these, these old friendships and these deep things where these people are basically your brothers and those weathering the storms of ever-changing circumstances as you get older and life gets infinitely more complicated. And also uh, booze and weed and movies and lots of drugs and lots butts. of spots. Yeah, a lot of lots butts. Of butts. Yeah, a lot of butts. Um, so I do, uh, I want to do this one real quick just because that was funny. Um, we didn't do this in a while. I'm going to give you the Billboard number one song for 10 years, 20 years, and 30 years ago from today. Okay? Okay. All right? Let's hit them. 2007. I'll give you a hint. 
she was in a group and broke off, and this was one of her singles. Beyonce. Oh, yeah. No, it was not Beyonce. She was in a group, she broke off, and this was a single? Yeah. Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> it was not an all-female group. Oh, like Fergie? Yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Big Girls Don't Cry, number one song in America on this day in 2007. Tough year. <laughs> now, the, this is, no good music came out there. This one I didn't expect to be so interesting when I looked it up. 1997. Do we get a hint? Yeah, do we get like something? Posthum- we need a hint now. Posthumous release from an artist who had just passed away. Uh, we vaguely uh, talked about this, it. Oh, um, Pop Daddy, the family, or whatever. It's, okay. I can't. <laughs> You're right there. You're on the tip of it. You're on the tip of it. Puff Daddy and the Family featuring Faith Evans in 112. Yes, I'll be I missing you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here's okay. That's not posthumous. Okay. Right, so here we go. Here we go. How is that posthumous? From from June 14th to August 23rd, the song "I'll Be Missing You" by uh, by Puffy, uh, Faith Evans in 11 and 112, 112. Uh, was the number one song in America. However, the next week. The number one song in America was Mo Money Mo Problems by the Notorious B.I.G. featuring Puffy and Mace. And because Notorious B.I.G. got the credit on that, he got the posthumous number one release on that. So Mo Money Mo Problems. 20 years later, still a banger. Still a banger 20 years later. And uh, this one, I'll give you a hint, but you'll never get it. 1987. We actually talked about this song in a little bit of detail three episodes ago. Give me a hint. It was uh, from a movie. It was a song from a movie about a band who died. A guy who died in a plane crash. Plane crash, huh? Plane crash. No, not La Bamba. La Bamba, yes! Look, I'm on it. You're on it today. I'm on it. La Bamba, number one song in America on this day, 1987. I'm winning today. Okay. I do have one more history lesson is out of context, but I figured we need to talk about it at least a little bit. You better get your serious face on. Get your serious face on. Uh, On this day in 2001, September 11th, uh, was the World Trade Center terrorist attacks. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail about the actual events that happened. We've talked about it before on the show. Um, But I, I was thinking about something today. I saw an interesting article about it. I never really thought of it this way because it happened at the time. Um... But when you look back, at, there's always these big major events that happen in, in periods in time that become these anchor point moments for Cultural generations. Cultural touchstones. Cultural touchstones. These moments where something happened in this moment, and now the world is different. Right? This moment shifts trajectories for our country, our planet, whatever. Right? I don't... Th- do you remember where you were on that day? Oh, yeah. Of course you do. Because everyone yeah. does, right? Oh, yeah. Do you think that on that day you understood the gravity of what actually happened? Um, so I'll say two things. Uh, number one, I remember where I was because I was in fourth period study hall in the cafeteria. We were shooting uh, three dice silo gambling, yep. and our assistant principal came down and to, to and so we saw her coming. Big sister anime, shout out to the Notre Dameers out there. Shout her. And um, big sister anime comes down, and <laughs> so we're hiding all of you know the cash and the dice and everything like that. And she comes and she's like, and you know, nobody knew anything. This is fourth period, so it's like 11 o'clock, but we hadn't heard anything in like our previous classes or whatever. And she comes down and she's like, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know, make you aware of the situation. A second plane has hit the other tower. And we're like, what? 
Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, what are you? Yeah. What are you second playing? What tower? Like what nobody knew. We're mm. like, what are you talking about? And I remember afterwards, I got you know we're watching for all the rest of the periods in high school and whatever. And afterwards, I'd gotten home and I was sitting in my living room with a great friend of the podcast and recent hurricane survivor pageant race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad came home from work and we were sitting there watching news coverage like everybody was. And my dad's watching, you know, like yeah, this is crazy. And he told, I remember him saying, he's like. I'll tell you, he's like, I'll tell you both right now. He's like, you're too young to know. He's like, but nothing's ever going to be the same after this. That's and boy, that was prescient. And he was right. Because uh, yeah. nothing has been the same. That was the beginning of the... It's... I tried to explain this to my... Oh, Heather, I'm sorry. No, go first. do you want to go? No, no, no. I mean, okay. No, um, I was in a sophomore in college when it happened. College. And um, I was at I forget how old you are. God, stop. I'm not that old. I don't no, look I'm, that I'm, old. I'm no, fascinated, because you look younger than me. Thank you. I'm fascinated because you had a college-level mind at this time. We were high school so, kids. My, I had got, I got on the computer on AIM, and my yep. friend George says New York City was just attacked, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay. He's like, turn on your TV, so I did, and I saw the the World Trade Center on on fire, and my roommate was sleeping, and I woke her up because her mom and her aunt both work in the World Trade Center, oh, and I remember her waking geez. up, and I said, oh my gosh, we have to get up. She just got on the floor and started screaming and crying, mm-hmm. and it was her aunt and her mother, and she didn't know if they were. They make it. They did. Nice. But she didn't know for until 12 hours later. So she watched the building collapse. She watched everything happen and had no idea. Mm. So, and on campus that day, it was it was definitely real. It, mm. and I think I felt it more because of the fact I saw what she went through. Mm. And, yeah. I was trying to explain to my students today some of the things that were kind of pressing in about it. My, my situation was sort of much like yours, Kev. I was in class uh, and my teacher left because he got the call on the phone, on the, the classroom phone. And once he left, me and uh, GFOP at the show, Jeremy Williams, shout out to Jeremy and my buddy Steve, played pitch. We were playing pitch for money in the in chemistry. So we did. It's what happened in public school. Oh, we might have been playing pitch that day. It was a three-day seal over pitch. It's always pitch for us at Proctor. Proctor was a big pitch school That's back hysterical. then. We did a lot of dice rolls in Catholic school. Oh, so much pitch. We're playing pitch, and you know we're getting a game in. It's a good game. And my chemistry teacher, AP chemistry, AP chemistry, Mr. Henderson, he sticks his head in the window. He's like, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, something has happened. There's been a terrorist. And we were sort of like, wait, what? I don't know. Like, same kind of thing. Like, couldn't really understand it. And a lot of my students didn't understand that there wasn't this... There was not news in that way that you could just look at your phone. It was just getting to that point-ish. Mm-hmm. Right? Not even close. Not even... No, we were just I close. We had cell phones, though, didn't we? Not there was really, no, text, no. No text messages coming in. We didn't, in. no. It was just the television. You were just watching and waiting. It was almost yeah. like you were in the I'm sky. not even fully positive text messaging was a thing in I don't, I don't think I feel like was. cell phones were. Because no, no, They no, weren't, though. They weren't. They were like those little Nokias with, yeah. like, uh... But even still, kids <clears> didn't have them. Kids couldn't, didn't You know. couldn't see the news. There was no Instagram. There was no nothing. Because well, I remember my mom trying to call my brother-in-law in New York on his cell phone and not being able to get Phones like that didn't happen until smartphones happened. You could get on the internet and see things. Though. But because I remember there was conflicting stories initially. You'd hear these stories and you weren't actually sure what was going on. Even the news reports weren't totally sure what was yeah. going on yet. Yeah. Uh, everything did change. The world does seem a little bit more. It, it's presented as being a little more I dangerous. Think we felt now. we were like unstoppable. You know, we couldn't be. We did. We couldn't be. Changed. It changed a lot of things, and it set this country on um, uh, not the best course. Like fifteen years later, this is the beginning of a lot of things. Um, if you're the type of person who's not going to slip into a depressive coma for a month by looking at some of the darker parts of life, there's a lot of stuff available on YouTube where you can watch like the actual like news footage from that mm-hmm. day. And like if you want to go even further down, there's a lot of content on YouTube Absolutely. if you want to look at it. And it's really interesting to get context if you're somebody who's got a stronger stomach. And I know some people are really affected. They can never watch it. Um, 
Others, you know, are kind of a little, little bit more dead inside and can just watch it all and really soak it in. But it's interesting to go back and look at all these years later and see all the conflicting reports and all the confusion and, you know, remember that stuff. It was, it was crazy. It was a wild day. Not trying to get politics into this. Do you think that in the future the Trump election will be looked back at a cultural touchstone point as well? Embarrassment. I don't. Uh, I'm just saying. I think it's just gonna no. Yes, and I think so because it became this moment when suddenly people became hyper aware of politics again. If it goes the way I feel like it may go, I I think it will be looked at as um, the the period when a lot of things that were uh, sitting in the shadows came out to light, and a lot of different situations that we weren't fully aware of as a country Mm -hmm. and society came a little bit more prevalent and a little bit more open for people to see. Um, but I, you really got to see how it plays out. Yeah, that's a little early. But it's not, it's not on the scale of a 9-11 because it's not as large scale and, and unexpected. Right. And there's not that many like big deaths right up front off the bat. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys want to lighten it up before we close out today? Please. All right, let's lighten it up with a couple either the or. The killing fields of Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's lighten it up with some uh, with some either or questions. Uh, Heather, I'll start with this one for you. Um, would you rather always know when someone is lying, or never be able to get caught lying yourself? Um, I'd always like know if someone's lying. So you prefer to know if someone's lying. Yeah. Kev, what about you? Prefer to know if someone's lying or always be able to get away with your you lies? You always know if somebody's lying? Always know when someone's lying. I'll take prefer to get away with my own, if only, because not for nefarious purposes necessarily all the time, but because um, there's a lot of comfortable little white lies that make uh, social relationships and interactions better. Good point. I don't need to know the Fair worst point. things that the people who mean the most to me and whose approval mean the most to me think of me when they're a little angry or just mm-hmm. something errant that sort of flies off the head. I'm not saying you should be lying to people all the time. Certainly, that's the opposite of the truth. But mm-hmm. uh, to be able to lose that ability for people to tell you harmless little white lies that just so you don't feel awful about yourself, I think I wouldn't want to lose that. So to get away with the lying and then hope that I don't abuse that well, power. Like more like politics and stuff. Though. Wouldn't it be nice if you're now and you're like, he's lying. The, I, this is a good <laughs> he's point. Lying. Because he's lying. I agree with you, but this is where <laughs> I think this goes off the rails. Because the ability to know when someone is always lying can only lead you to nefarious means. Like having that power mm-hmm. is puts you in a in an interesting position. Well, it's, at least if I don't know if they're lying, I can think positive things about it. Like, oh, this probably well, isn't that bad. It's one of those things, like simply, like you know, if you're imagine, you know, some some situation, like you're, you know, you're not feeling good, you're really tired, worn out, you know, maybe you're not having your best day, and you say to your husband, you're like, oh, I feel gross today, I look gross, I don't look great, and he's like, oh no, you look great, come on, you're doing all right. You want to take that away and have him be like, yeah, you know, you do look like shit. Get it together. Well, he you've could... never been the same. You're not, oh, I'm at you. Like, you, you want to hear All that? Right. Nobody wants to hear But what if he said it like, <laughs> I have to say, honey, you don't look like you feel very well today. That's telling the truth. That's not a lie. My husband will do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. But like, what if that's not the case? Then he's losing lots of fighting. That's a good point. You know All what right. I mean? Like, what if you, what if you lose an arm in the cotton gin? Um, and <laughs> you're getting some sort of Grange accident you lose your arm and you're like oh I hope you don't look at me differently now that I have no arm and like what if he does you don't want to hear that nobody needs that All right. wow you got really deep with this here we are moving on uh, would you rather have a bad American Idol audition Kevin or would you rather answer a super easy question incorrectly on a game show like on, Amer- on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire the audition 
I'm the not, audition. I can't be, listen, I don't, I don't purport myself to be any kind of singer, so whatever. And at least I can make some money off the back end for being one of the famous bad auditions, so that'll be okay. But no, I'm not answering. I mean, listen, I know the prevailing theory is that I'm some meathead who doesn't know things about things. <laughs> but, like, if I get out there and I answer some really easy question wrong publicly, that one's going to be a harder blow to the ego than just mm-hmm. not singing great on American Idol and making money anyway. I'm on the flip side of that. Uh, I would never live down the bad audition tape. It'd be on the internet forever. It would haunt me. I can get past me being an idiot. It's not totally out of the realm of possibility for me to be a scatterbrained fool. Heather? I'd probably answer a wrong question directly. <laughs> Just, I'd, be, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I'd move on. Uh, and two easy ones to close out. Uh, Skittles or M&M's? Heather? M&M's. Kevin? M&M's. Mm, you guys with the chocolate. I'm a Skittles man. Ugh. Kevin, uh, milkshake or root beer float? I saw Skittles today in the store, not to derail you, but they're called Sweet Heat Skittles. So they're like sweet and spicy. Oh, I almost oh. bought them to bring them to you because I know oh. you're a Skittles guy and a spicy guy and all that. So oh, I'm concerned. What was your question? Go ahead. Milkshake or root beer float? Oh, um, milkshake. Milkshake? Yeah. Either milkshake yeah, or root beer definitely float. Definitely milkshake. Yeah. Do you guys not appreciate the... I don't like soda. That's all right. It would, I mean... It's a little hard to drink and eat. Yeah. A little bit of pain in the ass, but it is delicious. But for what? <laughs> all right, fine. For what? Who is this root beer float for? Nobody needs it. <laughs> Folks, September 16th, downtown get down. Uh, it really is one of the great, exciting moments for our Maiden Utica year. I can't be any more excited about it. It's going to be a great event. Uh, that's it. You can follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin, underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom, or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, Maiden Utica, Apple Podcasts, or of course you can go to Uticast.com and listen to this and all back episodes. MaidenUtica.com backslash get down. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, do you want to press the button? Do you want to press the button?